Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Previously on Free Range Idiocy, Apollo was getting fluffier, Starbuck was repeatedly killing a Cylon with a crush on her, Rosalind was still dying, Ty was still drinking, Ellen was mucking up every single situation she was even vaguely involved in, Adama was doing Adama things, and Baltar was still the most charismatic cult leader slash science advisor slash Cylon marionette a fan could ask for. This time around, your humble hosts will be doing their dead-level best to overcome their innate EDC and make heartbreaking choices about which episode is the bestest of them all in this episode 97, Battlestar Galactica Bracket Region 3. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who was once described by GQ as a dapper man about town with a penchant for the dramatic and a lady killer extraordinaire, which sounds impressive until you realize that that town was Derry, New Hampshire. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and should really have his own signature cologne. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Yourself, sir? Very good. Although I, I, I need to stump and campaign a bit more for uh, getting Hilo Noir in that introduction, sir. These, these recaps, I, I appreciate the the thought and the depth you go into, but I'm sitting here like, what what about Hilo Noir? You know, I, Thought I, and depth. Usually not two words that are ascribed <laughs> to me for this show. And I thank you for that, sir, for... For trying to elevate me above my normal station. Well, when we're running two hours and 45 minutes, you're hoping there's some depth in there. It isn't just the shallow end, so. Oh, no. We'd, I'd stay right in the sh- I'm not even in the shallow <laughs> end of the pool. I'm in a little kitty wading pool next to the pool. Nice. nice. Anyways, so yes, we have a whole lot to cover. And uh, as you might uh, guess from the last couple episodes, uh, we don't do it in any kind of quick fashion either because uh, this ends up getting very wordy. But. We will get into it right now because we got to get ourselves to the week in geek little bits and voice and fobbles of geekdom that don't quite call for an entire show, but still bear mentioning that uh, the man they call Tim goes out and, and collects and, and just mines the interwebs for this knowledge to bring to you. Mm-hmm. But first, we have to get to our sponsor. And yes, we do have another sponsor for nice. the week in geek. This episode's Week in Geek is sponsored by Ode to Timmy, the new signature cologne from the man they call Tim. An understated yet potent blend of familiar and homey scents such as grilled steak, commuter train vinyl seat, Honda Fit that's been sitting out in the sun for a couple hours, grilled <laughs> steak, bourbon, cheese it soaked in eggnog. Don't forget the bacon. <laughs> hand-fried, refried beans out of a can, and bourbon-soaked cheese it grilled steak. Available at finer truck stops and liquor stores everywhere, it'll make you smell like a champion. And also repels most mosquitoes, ticks, and members of the female sex. Ode to Tim A, the new scent from the man they call Tim. Splash it on, you filthy animals. Feels so funky. Indeed, indeed. Nicely done, sir. 
Well, you're welcome. Nicely I'm trying done. to. I'm trying to. You know, I want you to diversify your portfolio beyond just being the czar of char. I, I want you. you to be like the the sultan of smells. <laughs> yes, a title we all strive to attain at some <laughs> point in our lives. The Actually, sultan most, of smells. I think most of us spend our entire lives trying to avoid that. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. No kidding. Holy moly. So what do we got cracking in the week in geek this week, sir? Well, sir, uh, much to your delight, uh, we are going to take a pause uh, for at least a week. You know, this this is St. Patrick's Day week, so we're we're going to take a breather for a moment on Star Wars: The Red Five. Oh well, thank you for that, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Our our national nightmare has come to an end. I'm I'm not happy an to end. Announce- we're pausing. We're pausing. Next week, it's coming back, baby. Next week, it's coming back. I figure I'd give you a week respite from from the 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 mental dominance that has been my uh, my performance of of answering Star Wars questions and minutia. Uh, And so I so basically what you're telling me is like it's it's our herpes has gotten cleared up for a week. (laughs) It's coming back. (laughs) If that's the imagery you so choose, I can't. It's basically what this is. Like I just can't shake it. Doesn't matter. It's, I'm stuck with this for life now. Oh my gosh! Yes, sir. Uh, but we we have some meaty things to dive into uh, this week. Uh, saw the long, long, long awaited debut of the Kenobi teaser trailer. Uh, yes, indeed. Which After, well, actually, no, because the teaser trailer was like, "Ooh, here's a Kenobi teaser." It was just like you and McGregor talking about your bunch of crap. And I'm like, "No, that's not a teaser trailer. That's just a right, tease." Right. Yes. Yeah. This was a trailer proper, it seems. Yes. So we, we are actually seeing footage now, and it has confirmed a few uh, theories, a few ideas of where they might be going. Yes. Uh, because we did see uh, the the presence of a Sith Inquisitor. Yes. Oh so, gosh, so awesome. I know. And I love the fact that we have uh, Uncle Ben is, uh, right? Isn't it Ben? Yes, Ben. Um, no, yeah. Owen. I'm sorry, Owen. Owen. No, Ben. It's Ben Kenobi. It's Uncle Owen. Yeah. Uncle Owen. Sorry. Um, good lord. That's it. Jimmy Dice is gonna <sighs> go over there and smack you about the head and shoulders with a a bantha harness. Well, or something. I don't know. It's well deserved. Uh, but True. no, the the uh, actor who played uh, Owen in Attack of the Clones uh, is also uh, reprising that role, so we see him. Hmm. And what okay. else do we see? Uh, to to your comment, oh Joel Edgerton, Joel Edgerton is Owen Lars. Uh, wow, I noticed he didn't get top billing. No, he did not. He did not. <laughs> uh, but For we see reason. him. We uh, we see Obi Wan. Uh, Looking from afar at a young tyke wearing speeder goggles and looking very much like his father. <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> at that age. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Before before episode one, and he was widely, widely reviled by Star Wars fans. If only that little tyke knows what's coming. Oh, Indeed. Oh. Indeed. Oh. Uh, but yeah, o- overall, a, a wonderful wedding of the appetite. Uh, clearly, Obi-Wan is drawn back into the fray and and I love the the uh, voiceover as you know describing the Jedi code like it like it's it's an itch that they must scratch and so uh, like you know helping others rash. yes yeah helping others and and being 
and not turning a blind eye to injustice is an itch, apparently. So yeah. I, I, I felt that was a little odd. Like, okay, uh, <laughs> we need. Uh, so, what are we trying to say? Like, the Sith is the ointment for that? I mean, how we? What do? What do we? What sort of like metaphor are we heading for here? Uh, from a certain point of view. Get it? Oh, there we go. Hello there. Oh, sorry. Anyways, um, so yes, it, it, it looks quite interesting. Uh, looks very, uh, very much, uh, you know, there's some questions about how real is this series going to be? Because we haven't seen any, uh, you know, footage yet. Well, we got some footage, folks. And, oh, uh, yes, we did. It's and looking actually, very interesting. Obi-Wan, and to tie this into the subject at hand for this episode, mm. Obi-Wan Kenobi sounding an awfully lot like President Laura Roslin mm. during the miniseries. The battle is over. We lost. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's going to hurt somebody. Channeling his inner Roslin, which yeah. begs the question, oh, real or jabroni, will Obi-Wan Kenobi say, put him out of the airlock? No. It no, he would never do that. It we, could have for, we have to wait for Anakin to do that. <laughs> and then there's a whole lot of airlocking going Maybe on. it's Anakin he wants to put out of the airlock, quite honestly. You know, probably. I think if you asked older Kenobi, he was like, <sighs> you know, the number of times I could have. Ah! Yeah. Ah, we would have saved us a whole lot of trouble. Oh, oh boy. Now, we did not see uh, Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader, who is, is rumored no, to be No, but we got the, we got the breathing overtones. Oh, my gosh. Spine oh. chilling on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, the music in this thing. Ah, oh, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. John Williams just like. I saw a meme where they, you know, it's the one where it's like, John, it's just a trailer. No, you don't need to go overboard. And then it's the guy on the beach with a piano that's on fire, just like <laughs> maniacally laughing. I'm like, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, yeah. John, and Johnny Williams came loaded for bear on this one. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's, throw everything at him. That's oh right. my gosh. Bring in it's the good. A game. Bring in the A game. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, so looks very interesting. Uh, there is clearly a squad of, of inquisitors that are hunting down. I think whatever remains of the force using trained Jedi and Obi Wan is lurking about in the shadows uh, for some reason. We're not quite sure what. So we will, uh, you know, when as we get into May, we will be adjudicated once again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, real or jabroni for Kenobi. Uh, and uh, the man they call Tim will be diligent in building up the list. It's going to be uh, uh, a, a, a substantial list, better than uh, past ones. We'll, we'll, we'll try to think a little bit more clearly. We'll try not to make another Cad Bane miss like we did on this one. Or uh, Oh, so you're uh, not going to do this one after you've had like, you know, five doubles of, of wild turkey? Uh, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> good man, good, good man, Lord. covering all the bases. Indeed, indeed. But uh, yeah, and, and anything else from the trailer that that we have not mentioned? Well, we talked a little bit about this, and it was it's about twenty seconds into the trailer, and mm. there is you know it's a shot where you're looking out of the cave at, at at Kenobi sitting there, and he's he's obviously looking down over you know Owens and uh, not Baru, Baru. Yeah, I can uh, remember Baru, but I can't remember Owens. Well, it sounds like Balu, which, I mean, you're a big Tailspin fan from way back in the day, so I'm oh, guessing that's good. Actually, I was a huge Tailspin fan. I love that show. Anyways, um, the uh, when he's sitting there looking over over the farm, and there's that little thing sitting next to him. 
And it's kind of odd because it feels like him and that whatever is sitting next to him are sharing the center of the shot. Like it's mm-hmm. like like Kenobi is off center in the shot, which is kind of odd because he's if he's if he's supposed to be the focus, you would have it squarely on him. But it seems like it's he is sharing the focus with whatever that is sitting next to him. And I mean, it's not that big, which had me kind of wonder like. Are we looking at a very, 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 very young Grogu or something? Like, what is that? Because mm. it doesn't seem like you would you would give something such a place of prominence if it didn't have some sort of meaning. Although, I don't know, maybe it was just a shot that they pulled off the cutting room floor and like, yeah, use this. And it was never meant to go in anything. Who knows? You know, the, that happens when you're making trailers. So, yeah, I don't know. But that that kind of stuck out to me. But I mean, overall, I'm just so excited for this show. I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think. Uh, and, and we, you know, a couple, well, not a few episodes back, several episodes back, we, we chatted about some potential rumors. And I think there could be some some interesting ways this story could go. But we shall see. Uh, yes, we shall. Uh, and and uh, j- just for the record, what, whatever that is sitting next to Kenobi, I my my vote is it's a bottle of bourbon. I'm just saying. So you're saying there's bourbon in the Star Wars galaxy? Somewhere, Spotchka, why not? Somewhere in a galaxy far, far away, there is a planet Kentucky. It could be Tatooine. I mean, you know, <laughs> maybe need some why water. Not? Need need to you know set up a still and you know kind of. Well, if you're living on Tatooine, you need to have a drink every now and again after That's staring true. at sand all the time. That's true. Very much so. I would. Ah, oh, indeed. But yes, very much looking forward to this and uh, all it will, all that will be entailed into it. I think it'll be a, a great, great storytelling uh, extravaganza. And I'm, and you know, I'm curious how they're going to work it so it doesn't put you know a new hope kind of in a weird light where uh, you know it seemed like this was the first time in ages that Kenobi had seen. Darth Vader. So we'll have to see how their paths cross and if it, you know, holds true to the, uh, you know, to the existing uh, consistency that, that we've seen in A New Hope. And well, well, we shall see. We shall see. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, next item is a little bit of, uh, you know, again, man, they call Tim giving Uncle Todd a reprieve, giving him a little bit of time away from the Red Five. I know he gets a little frustrated, a little I love how you, you're trying to gin up some sort of. I'm just. I'm happy we don't have to go through this pain. I mean, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm giving you a reprieve from going and getting your prostate exam examined. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. Fine. I guess. Uh, and shining I don't have a light. Rotor rooted. I mean, sure. Uh, if you insist. You know, I I I I, I endure the accusations of impropriety uh, just just because I live in Chicago. Um, and because they're totally and uh, totally true. Oh, stop it! Just stop it. Uh, I know it. You know it. Everybody knows it. But Come I will. Sh- I will shine a light on on the power of prognostication that Mister uh, Uncle Todd possesses. Last week we were discussing a new Star Wars trilogy, and he mentioned, "What if they did Heir to the Empire, the 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 uh, Thrawn tri- the original Thrawn trilogy from way back in the early '90s." And uh, this week, uh, coming from from the haven of, of all things, uh, you know, news-oriented in the sci-fi world, from geekositymag.com, we have an article stating 
that uh, an adaption of Heir to the Empire could be Disney Pooh's first Star Wars film. Uh, the source that they uh, know, uh, or who's in the know, basically revealed to them that the climax to several Star Wars series, uh, including The Mandalorian and Ahsoka, could end up as the, the Heir to the Empire movie. So in some ways, if I'm reading this right, Heir to the Empire could be Star Wars's version, or the Plus's version, of the Avengers. Kind of bringing, you know, different series together to kind of tell mm. a narrative. Yes, and, and so first of all, I, I want to thank you for acknowledging the prognos- prognostication powers of, of uh, one uh, of, such as myself. And the other is uh, I'm, I'm happy to be known as Mr. Uncle Todd. That's, that's a rather interesting title. As- well, you know, we just want to be formal and uh, apply the uh, correct prefixes uh, to uh, acknowledge who you are. And, uh, and so third of all is I am totally against this. I, I think it's a horrible idea. <laughs> I actually, I'm against it being a movie. I'm, I'm totally against yeah. it being a movie. I would love to see it as like, if they said, hey, this is going to be six one-hour episodes. Mm-hmm. Because to me, you're talking about three books. Okay, it's hard right. enough to get one book into one movie. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen, there are the number of, of like book adaptations that are done well is a short list. Ones that have actually exceeded the book extremely subjective and and probably could be counted on one hand so to take three books and try and condense that down into a, even a two two and a half hour movie to me is just not a good idea oh well they, they're not saying that they're saying they would start with the first book which is called heir to the empire but still i mean i don't i don't even know about doing that i i, I actually kind of like the idea and it depends on how the story breaks down sure because i, I think that you're going to by virtue of what you're going to have to do in order to tweak that story, because we know it, it won't be the same story because the original Heir of the Empire takes place right after, mm-hmm. or not that long after, the events of Return of the Jedi. Right. So you have Han, Luke, uh, you know, Leia, Chewbacca, you have all those cats from OG Trilogy heavily involved, and then mm-hmm. you add some other characters. So you're not going to be doing that. So the, all of the rhythms from that original story are going to be thrown off because you're, you're going to be doing it in a very different way. So if it were me, I would be shooting for something more in-depth that I could then break up because mm-hmm. I, I think that if you're going from a series to finish it up with a series, especially with something like Heir to the Empire where it's a very, it's a very rich canvas that you have available to you. Because, I mean, yeah. number one, we've already talked about Thrawn. He's like the first and only decent freaking competent empire you know imperial officer that we've seen ever ever my god besides maybe Tarkin but even Tarkin turned out to be kind of a tool bag and you know it's like he's the one guy that you see who actually seems to have know his you know know his ass from a hole in the ground so I mean why not like actually try and stretch that out and, and give that some room to breathe yeah but I'm glad I was kind of right. And, you know, these folks over at, uh, you know, Geek-o- Geekosity Magazine, is that what it's called? Uh, GeekosityMag.com. Okay. Well, I'm glad that, you know, they're reporting on the fact that, as we all know, Lucasfilm, you know, they're, they've definitely got their, their moles listening to this this uh, this podcast. And they're, they're grabbing our ideas left and right. I'm just hoping mm-hmm. that eventually we see some cash off of this. You know, Kathy, hey, throw us a few, few uh, you know, shekels over here. It'd be nice. 
Indeed. But it's nice to get a little bit of credit, even indirectly through an anonymous source. So I, I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. But yep, Heir to the Empire could be the uh, concluding uh, movie, if you will, of The Mandalorian and Ahsoka. I'd be curious to see if that actually happens. Very interesting. Maybe. Very interesting. Maybe. But Uncle Todd, on the spot with the prognostication. Thank you, sir. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what we can call this prognostication, but we did do our what we thought was our finally, finally, our final Brady Geddon episode. Oh, jeez, Yeah. And oh. clearly Tom, Tom listened, Tom heard, and Tom said, no, no, they will do another. I no. will make them do another. No. So it, it, here's the thing. Now, you're a married <laughs> man. I'm a married man. <laughs> we both know how this went down. Okay, because <laughs> so I've been in I've been in bands over the years, and after two years of of COVID, like actually about a year year and a half of COVID, I floated the idea to my wife that maybe I was thinking about putting together another band, and mm. she immediately said, "Oh yeah, you ought to do it." I'm like, "Oh, she is really sick of seeing my ass around the house." <laughs> oh shit! She she's like, "You need <laughs> to get out." On. You need to get out. I've like Chris Rock said, I've heard every possible thing that's going to happen to you. Go get kidnapped. So some new stuff happens. Like you hit that point, you know, and I'm oh, telling dear. you exactly what happened. Tom was around the house constantly. for two months. <laughs> yup. 40. It was, it was about 40 days that he was retired for. He, he was. A, the thing is, he started making plans. He started making plans and he had all these ideas. And Giselle was like, you know, no, 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 no. Hey, you know what? Why don't you go play foosball with your friends? Why don't you go do something? Yeah, go play with your little friends. Before I put you out of an airlock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Oh, my gosh. I, I, I mean, I don't oh. know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this was a this was a kick in the head uh, to come in over the wire. What, what? So we're recording this on... We're recording this on Pi Day, by the way, March uh, 14th. Indeed. Uh, and this came over the wire last night, somewhere around 7 p.m. Eastern time or something, and, and totally, like, half broke the internet. <laughs> I had a coworker text me, what did you think of the Brady news? And I had spent most of the day down in uh, in downtown Chicago visiting our oldest son. And I had not had any contact with TV. I hadn't really scrolled through news. I, I really was just disconnected because we were just, you know, doing doing social stuff. And mm -hmm. um and I get home and I and he texts me and I look at him like, what the heck happened with Tom Brady? And I look it up and it's like, oh, he's coming back. He's going to play for Tampa Bay in 2023. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. But I, I love know, on Twitter, by the way, and I think you uh, you like this as part of, you know, you you are the the uh, the chieftain, if you will, of our Twitter account for free range idiocy, the super 70s. Uh, showing a nice meme of the Undertaker sitting up. <laughs> yeah, As, everyone else. Tom Brady's retired. Tom Brady. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a great meme. That is that is apropos and right on the nose. So yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So what do you think his end game is here? Like, why do you? Why do you? I mean, just I mean, we don't want to let this take over the entire show. But why do you think he's coming back? Like, I I made my joking. Which I I think is half joking, but <laughs> what, do you, I, what do you think he's coming back for? Because I think he he clearly I, I mean if you try to piece it together from when this first came out and that sort of thing, he clearly was conflicted, and you know he he's getting to that point in life where he's going to have to make that choice, and I'm wondering if 
he just kind of went ahead and said, you know what, just time, I'm just going to do it. And probably thought through things. And, he, you know, a, a guy who wins as many championships or has competed at as high a level as he has for most of his career, I'm sure this is going to be a, a difficult thing to walk away from. And uh, so I, I'm just thinking he he just, you know, kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi. He just he had that itch, you know, and had to come back. And, he had a rash. Uh, yeah, his unfinished business, which uh, we will discuss shortly. He's got stuff in the basement. He's got. Oh, well said, sir. What? You haven't peaked yet? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line by Paulie. Oh, my God. That was. And then and then Uh, the the, as as equally a great line with 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 some heft and emotion at the end of that that boxing match in Rocky Balboa. The beast is gone. Yeah. The beast is gone. So. So I I've been listening to a little sports talk radio today, which I've I've been I've kind of sworn off the less I've been in, into sports over the that last must have years. been fun. Oh yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting. But a few people were saying that they felt that he was trying to his, the retirement was him trying to force something to get him to San Fran. You know, this oh, is interesting. All, all about him getting to the Niners to you know finish up his career in San Francisco, which I think might have been what he originally wanted to do anyways, but I don't think it worked out. I think he, I think if you'd offered him Tampa Bay or, or San Francisco, he would have, you know, he would have broken his, his tongue. He would have sprained his tongue muscles saying San Francisco, uh, as fast as he could, but it does not sound like Tampa Bay is at all interested in trading his rights or, or in getting him to San Fran. Uh, as Bruce Arians, I think said a few weeks ago, it'd be bad, bad business. So, he is going to come back. He's going to play for Tampa. I think the one thing that is going to be very interesting is uh, contract-wise, because apparently with all of the uh, roster bonuses and all that stuff, like I guess he, he's due like some absurd amount. It's like two and a half million, three million or something base salary this year. Oh, wow. but then it's all incentives. I guess like last year he made like forty-four million in total with incentives and everything. But I guess this year with uh with like deferred bonuses and stuff like that, like he's looking at like twenty-five mil. Which is interesting because Aaron Rodgers just a few few days ago uh, signed his new four year two hundred million dollar deal with a, a reported one hundred and fifty three million of that two hundred million guaranteed. Wow. So that'd be fifty mil for those of you who don't math, fifty mil per year, uh, and that would make him the highest paid player in NFL history. So another thought was that he was. Tom Brady took a little umbrage to Aaron Rodgers getting all of this cash and it's mm. coming back. Interesting. Um, so my my two part question here is, uh, do you think that might be the case? Having heard those numbers and uh, do you have on any plane of existence? Do you think Aaron Rodgers is worth 50 million dollars per year? Uh, no, not at this stage of his career. I mean, I think he's on the decline. Um and I, I don't know that Brady's coming back for that reason. I mean, he he played so much of his career, you know, with with a excuse me, with a a you know, a clear purpose of of putting together championship teams and and you know, he made sacrifices and Tampa Bay was kind of you know, in a lot of ways him getting his due, you know, like like you know, I, I don't mean to say be selfish, but you know, he he got paid a pretty pretty good sum of money to go play for them. Mm-hmm. And um I don't know. I, I can't imagine it's it's a money thing. 
I mean, it's just like with with with, I, with all the championships he's won, and you know, I, I I mean, I don't know if it's going for another championship. I, I I at this stage, I don't know what drives him. I don't know if it's it's going trying to go for the undefeated streak again. You know, like like the one, you know, kind of the golden chalice that that kind of escaped him. You know, back in 08. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's really hard to say, but I the thing I kind of anchor onto is just I think I really feel like he's just one of those guys that just you know is a competitor at heart. I mean he he is Apollo Creed. You know what I mean? Like in 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 a lot of ways, it's it's like the warrior letting the warrior kind of die is is hard. You know, and and I think mm-hmm. he's probably coming back to scratch that itch and and get out there and and play again and try to prove that he is at his age one of the best and and you know i think he'll be successful as he always is but i it, it, yeah it's it's hard to say i i it, it the way it played out early on it just seemed like he was conflicted and you know it's probably something that's going to be on the on the radar for him over the next year or two and it's just a question of you know i think it's going to be like this at the end of every season is he going to retire again or is he going to try to play again and uh, and I don't know what it's going to take for him to just kind of say goodbye. You know, like maybe he's looking for for that, you know, the, just just that dream ending where you win a Super Bowl and call it a career. You know, um, yeah, the John Elway special. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think to call it the Peyton Manning special because Peyton Manning was along for the ride that, that last Super Bowl. That oh yeah, yeah. That don't really count. He was he was essentially marginally. I mean, I hate to say it because, I mean, as much as I've spent time, I actually sold T-shirts at one time that said Peyton Hater on them. So, I mean, just to let you know where I'm coming from, full disclosure. <laughs> but as much as uh, much respect as I have for the man's talent, I mean, he was a marginally better Trent Dilfer that mm-hmm. season. He was not a sh- he wasn't even a shell of himself at that point. Yeah, he was such a game manager at that point. It was it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I. I think that might be it, but man, yeah, it's a good question. What's motivating him? But I will tell you, we will have mark by words another Brady Geddon episode. Oh, Back God. from the dead. I can't do it. It's like the longest running soap opera in history. Like I'm pretty sure it beat out Days of Our Lives. Unintentionally so. Gotta oh, love it. Gotta love. Goodness it. gracious. And yeah, I agree. Aaron Rodgers is in no way, shape, or form worth 50 mil. I mean, no. I would say ever. No. Like even at his peak, because. And I read. I I was curious about it, and I I read a bit of an article, and it was by a. It was written by an obviously a a Green Bay shill. Like this dude was totally in the bag for the Packers and all that, but making the argument that you know he did not. Aaron Rodgers did not have a, a great defense or special teams for most of the past ten years, and I'm like, okay, fine, but still, you're you're not able to get over that hump and it's not like you've had a Peyton Manning standing in your way the whole time it's not like you've had you know x y or z like I don't I I can't find an argument where I'm like one Super Bowl for this cat I mean I I get it like the Green Bay Packers have not done a terrific job but you know when you think about they've they've arguably had two of the greatest quarterbacks of their eras in Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre back to back for how many years and only walked away with two Super Bowls. That seems kind of a shame. But is it the I mean, front office or is it just those players didn't get over the hump or I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that is the guy right now who, though, is angriest because he probably thought like, OK, 
Brady's gone. I play another four years. I might have an outside shot at getting a couple of these records. Mm. And maybe I can get one or two Super Bowls because now I won't have him in the way. And what? I got Matt Stafford in my way. Yeah, not too worried. But, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now all of a sudden Brady's back's like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's like Indeed. Jason, Jason, Freddie, and. <laughs> Michael Myers all combined. Like, I know. When is he going to die? Damn it. It's, it's, it's Halloween, baby. It's Halloween. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But, uh, oh, well. We shall see. But before we wrap up, I, I was about to give the the you know usual byline to wrap up the Week in Geek. Uh, but as Uncle Todd was talking, I uh, received a text from a friend and confirmed online. Uh, and, and and we will talk next week about this because I, 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 I don't want to go another 20 minutes of the Week in Geek here. But... Uh, Scott Hall uh, of uh, Razor Ramon and NWO fame uh, died today, 63 years old. Uh, he had a, he was going through some health issues, and uh, as he was being treated, I think he I think I read he suffered about three heart attacks. So mm, yeah. he was uh, in, in pretty rough shape. And Kevin Nash uh, today posted something I think on Twitter about you know kind of like a farewell f- to him because I think they saw that uh, you know. It, they were going to take him off life support and, and, and basically um, just, just see how it played out. And, and so, yeah, so, but we will uh, next week's week in geek. We, we will say some words about the man razor Ramon because he, he was a phenomenal character in the nineties and with Kevin Nash going to WCW was a phenomenal, phenomenal act uh, that really blazed trails and, and took wrestling into a whole different popularity zone than it had seen for quite some time. So, but uh, with that, uh, that, my friends, is the Week in Geek. Hard work pays off. Dreams can come true. Mm-hmm. Bad days don't last, but bad guys do. Amen. Oh, I'll, I'll have to drop in the audio from his Hall of Fame for that. But that was, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Great all right. Night. Well, thank you, sir, for scouring the interwebs for all of that information. And uh, we are now going to get into the meat of the episode here. Adjudicating. Which is region three of our Battlestar Galactica episode bracket. So just mm-hmm. to review our rules, uh, the miniseries and the finale episode are excluded from this because, quite honestly, there's no point in doing that. Those two would come down to the final two and then we would just give up because we, neither one of us would be able to pick. Um all two-part episodes have been combined into a single episode just to make numbers work out. And we do have a play-in game. So we have 65 <laughs> episodes that came through. You, as you, If you math at all, you need 64 teams for a bracket. Mm-hmm. We got one extra. There's got to be a play-in. Someone's got to try and fight their way into this thing. I just that love that we bracket, found a way to get a play-in bracket into this. I love it. I, I just you know, it. You just Well done, sir. Thank the math. And uh, so actually, this bracket... Region three has our play in game. So we will have that going on on this episode. But I believe you want to give a give the fans, the peoples, the people. No. Yeah. Can you give me a real give me a real the one? People. Thank you, Mario Bane. <laughs> I don't even know why I attempt it. It's Ding. horrific when I do it. It's absolutely <laughs> wretched. And yet I as bad as my Hilo Noir music. <laughs> yes. At least there's no tassels involved. Uh, yeah, that's. A stripper Tilo or something. I don't know. Oh, good Lord. Tilo with his, his clear heels and his flight suit or something. I don't know. <laughs> just very bizarre. But you wanted to give us a rundown of, of where we've been so far and how the first two regions 
ended up. Yeah, so so we are all we're we're marching toward a final four here, and so we have half of that final four determined. Uncle Todd uh, is clearly on a path. Uh, to cause the universe to collapse upon itself because he is going to pick the <laughs> I am four an agent of chaos, if nothing else. The four greatest Katie Sackoff Starbuck related episodes, all from season one, it seems like, because right now he's two for two <laughs> on the season one front. Back to back episodes, act of contrition, and you can't go home again. So uh, he is, he is I've, season I've one strong. I've got my champion. I'm building a territory around <laughs> Starbucks. She is, she is the baby face. She is my Hulk Hogan going all the way. She's got the NWA title. She's Ric Flair traveling the territories, <laughs> defending it. All right. And then the man they call Tim, uh, you know, being a little more on the measured side uh, right now. Jeez. Right all now, right. Uh, lay down your burdens from season two, uh, parts one and two. Mm-hmm. from uh, Region 1, and Blood on the Scales from Season 4 uh, are, are my uh, half of the final four that we will uh, adjudicate in uh, two more episodes. So that is where we stand right now. So, uh, sir, I, I'm just wondering, we, uh, should, should we, we just put... The, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you go ahead, sir. No, I was going to ask you, so should we just pick whatever the Season 1 Starbuck-focused episode is and just, uh, you know, just call it? Or, or what do you think? Wow. If I'd known you were going to take a cheap shot like that, <laughs> I wouldn't have even let you go. I was going to be nice. I was going to ask you because you've been you've been so good at coming up with the the names for our regions because I had no clue, and you've picked all of them so far, and you have a you have a good one for this one too. What is this region going to be called, sir? Uh, I have decided to theme this region: uh, Apollo and Starbuck Heartbreakers Tour. Yes. In a very, very apt description, because there are some real heartbreakers here and a lot of heartbreak going on between those two. There, Yes, there, there's a few involving the two of them, and uh, there, there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of, uh, you know, just just angst. And so we, we will discuss, we will uh, adjudicate it, and uh, at the end of the day, we will come out with some winners. So, Very nice. Well, first, before we get into the bracket proper, we got to have our play-in game here, sir, and... This is interesting because there's been a lot of weird sort of stuff that's happened. So the way that we, the way that we, and by we I mean me, uh, kind of picked all these br- regions and. Brackets. I like how you say that. Like I don't do anything. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just taking I'm taking all the credit for the you, one thing I've done. That's and, all. Can and I have this one thing, please? And ladies and gentlemen, rightfully so, Uncle Todd. Very dedicated, very much uh, organized this whole thing. A lot of depth, a lot of detail he's put into it to to get all the descriptions and all the links and everything. So we have a very smooth show. So thank you, sir. Let me acknowledge you, time and energy that you have put into this, my friend. Thank you very much. It's about damn time. This isn't just some ham and egger, you know, running this (laughs) thing here. Okay, Bobby. (laughs) A lot of of thought went into this. A lot of consideration. (laughs) But but what happened was I put all the episodes into the the free range EDC randomizer 8000 and just came out with these uh, these lineups. And then at the end had had a leftover and then kind of was like, oh, and this one will work as the play in game. Mm -hmm. And the way that that kind of all worked out, I'm calling this our stealth play in game because this is going to be Flight of the Phoenix from season two mm. going up against Hero from season three. Now, Flight of the Phoenix, of course, involves the stealth fighter that that Chief builds. Hero involves a, a flashback scene of 
an old stealth fighter from the before the style the Cylon invasion of the colonies. Mm. So we've got two stealth fighter episodes, which nice. I mean, in a in a show like this is kind of an odd thing to line that up. But hey, so this is our stealth play in game. So just to give you an idea of what the episodes are, Flight of the Phoenix is summarized thusly. Galactica's crew fights to contain a Cylon computer virus spreading throughout the ship while Tyrrell launches a project to build a new fighter. And Hero... Hero? Did I, did I say Hilo or Hero? Oh, you said Hero. Okay. You're so probably thinking made... of Hilo Noir and combining them. Probably. I need to get a more grizzled sort of, you know, Hero. A dama con- no, I can't do that. That's going to... Dunna, that, 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 that's that's better, a Rocky right? theme. That was like the Rocky. <laughs> that's not Rocky. It? You were like, da-na-na, da-na-na. I knew you were heading there. Oh, I could geez. I could sense it. All right. All right. Sorry. So Hero uh, goes a little something like this. Adama confronts one of the darkest moments of his career when Bulldog Novacek, a pilot who is thought to have died years ago during a secret mission, escapes the Cylons and arrives on Galactica. Mm-hmm. So who takes this one out of you to, to fight their way into the bracket, sir? Well, as as I've shared with Uncle Todd, I'm I'm in the middle of a season two rewatch, and uh, th- this this matchup may suffer from a little bit of bias because I recently watched Flight of the Phoenix, um, very good episode. Uh, it, it's a chief, a uh, little bit of a chief centric episode, uh, but also, you know, kind of highlights the the, you know, the um, I don't mean to say angst, but but the the toll that that this journey has taken on the crew. Uh, a lot of people are getting snippy with each other. A lot of people are, are just, you know, kind of feeling lost without purpose. And Chief gets this idea to start building a new Viper, you know, like basically a project to give him a sense of purpose and, and a goal. And uh, at first, you know, everyone kind of gives him a hard time about it. And he's just like, you know what? Fine. Go work. Get out of my face. I'm going to build this myself. And then as, as he's doing it and he's, you know, clearly needing help because, you know, let's face it, you're, you're, you're building a, a, you know, a flight, a craft of flight. So it's, uh, you know, it's not exactly something you can just kind of do on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one by one, you know, the crew starts to, in various ways, come help him out and wire it up and get it all put together. And, uh, and then Hilo, uh, his contribution is, uh, you know, rather than trying to build it as an actual, like, you know, normal Viper with, you know, metal plating, he's like, why don't you use some carbon framing, make it like a stealth fighter. And so, uh, it becomes the stealth fighter, but, here is what puts this over the edge for me. Mm. To, at, at, at the end, uh, they and, and and they they build to this and and just I, I told Uncle Todd I've watched this episode two three times now. I know what's going to happen on it. I know, <laughs> I know what's going to happen. Yep. But the way they build the emotion because she gets some news that she's got like weeks from to to live from Doc Cottle. You know she's mm. you know he he Doc Cottle. He'll, he's a straight shooter, but he's looking at her like, I don't know how to tell this to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just has this look on his face like, I don't want to say anything. When, um, you've, got, when you've got the the, the cigarette smoking you and, you know, Doc, who has no problem, you know, smoking a heater right in front of a cancer patient, mm-hmm. and you've got him kind of like caught up, you know it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, things, this is not good news. No, no. And so the tail end of it is they reveal that they've named the craft the Laura, um, which when they do that and the music and everything, it I'm sorry, it gets a little dusty in the room. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Watch this four times now, and I still feel that way. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, just just a, a solid episode. Hero, on the other hand, uh, another solid episode, and, and really with some 
some interesting and, and very revelatory information that comes out because we find out that not all well, we find out three things. One, the colonials were were violating the armistice by crossing the line when mm. uh, when the, the the peace was was in existence. Two, uh, the person they sent over across the line got caught. And uh, Adama decides, well, we can't have him get captured, so we're going to shoot him down ourselves. And so they yeah. do. And it was a friend of his. And then three, we end up finding out as well that uh, basically, uh, you know, Adama kind of thinks this whole thing where, where he gets captured, you know, they, they end up not killing him mm. uh, and, and he gets captured. So now Adama's thinking, well, my goodness, did I start this war? Yeah. You know, like I basically not only did I take my tried taking my friend out, but I I failed doing that. And now the Cylons know. And did I just cause the annihilation of, of civilization? So there, there's some weighty stuff in this one. Um, but for me, I, you know, I, I just I have a soft spot for Flight of the Phoenix. It was very cool. And uh, it, it was an interesting concept, it, you know, really kind of. um you know, put a focus on, on, on the, you know, like we've talked about, and and you mentioned several times last episode, just the reality of the situation, the, 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 the limits of the resources they have and how they have to think about that and deal with it. And, you know, some of it is the monotony, you know, of we do this every day and I'm just, I'm tired of working on ships and I'm tired of doing this and I'm tired of doing that. And people feeling frustrated and needing something to believe in and something to, to, uh, to work toward. And so I think, uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm giving the nod to flight of the Phoenix, uh, probably impact wise hero from the story perspective hero, maybe has a little bit more of an edge there, but emotionally and just, uh, you know, as an all around kind of standalone episode, I really thought flight of the Phoenix was very well done. So that is my selection, sir. How about you? Well, I'm going to agree with you on this one, and I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on one point. I, I don't think that Flight of the Phoenix is as much of a standalone um, so much as as Hero is, because you, you could take Hero out mm-hmm. of continuity and you're not going to miss anything, because I think that as interesting as the story is, and I do appreciate the fact that we see, like, and this is the incident that gets Adama kicked off from his his command of the valkyrie which was a, a much newer modern battle star and this is his last command before he goes to the galactica which is essentially just a place to to let him play out the end of his career till he's ready to retire like the galactica yep. was not battle ready it was already heading towards being decommissioned it was the like an old i mean it's the bucket when you compare it to the Pegasus, I mean, that's what, what they start calling it because it's compared to the newer battle stars. It's just it's not clo- it's not close to being as modern and as as, as powerful. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to go back and see what the fleet was doing before the Cylons, you know, nuked essentially all the colonies. And the fact that there were these stealth missions and that there was this idea of maybe that maybe the. You know, the, the fleet was trying to go with the Cylons in, you know, was there some hawks in the in the fleet who just were like, hey, we might as well get the Cylons to attack, instigate an attack and get this over with. Like, we've got yeah. all these new toys. We could take them out. That sort of thing. And I do. The thing I think is a little weak is the is it in season three. Now you're trying to retrofit this idea that Adama has felt this guilt about possibly instigating the Cylon war the whole time. It's a little weak. 
although just the fact that you do have the the blood and chrome episodes you know kind of uh you know the 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 um uh that first encounter with Leobin where he seems to have a much better idea of who Leobin is even yeah. though he really hasn't he- heard anything about this so through some of his backstory like he can kind of get that but it feels a little bit weak but I'm like okay but I'll take you there mm-hmm. you know so that's an interesting story but ultimately like flight of the phoenix the blackbird eventually leads to you know the resurrection destroying the resurrection ship it mm. plays it plays a part in a lot of different a few different episodes going forward so I think it it gets a little bit more of a nod because it does fit into the greater story, you know. And of course, that dedication scene is money in the bank. And then, of course, the entire thing with, um, with the way that Adama is willing to use Boomer mm-hmm. as a way to stop that virus, essentially uh, yeah. like sticking a fiber optic cable like right into her arm, which is, mm-hmm. you know, still even after watching it a few times, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but then immediately sends her back to the brig. So, you know, that she is a tool at this point, you know, and 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 that ca- kind of carrying over and how that's going to play out. Like, yeah, Flay of the Phoenix, I, I feel, gets a nod because, one, I think it's a better story, but also it, it does fit into a lot of larger story arcs as well. So I got to go with Flight of the Phoenix myself. Yeah, and, and, and that's a point I forgot to mention is is the the turnabout is fair play, you know, situation with, with Asylum. Like, there's a whole squad of raiders coming because they think they're about to, you know, take, basically oh, take yeah, Galactica yeah. down with the virus. And 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 she turns that around them. And that also turns into, I think, part of the, 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 the message of, of that story, which was, it. I think it restored some energy and hope to the flight crews because they, they were able to just go through and, and you know, take, you know, take out probably a lot of frustration and anger on, on those Raiders because, uh, cause, cause Boomer basically shut them down. So, or yeah. Athena, it was, a, it was a mirror. No, that was still Boomer. Wasn't it? Well, the, it's the Boomer who becomes Athena. Oh, that's right. No, that is, you're right. That is, it's Sharon who becomes Athena. Sharon who becomes Athena. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. You're right. You're right. I, I got my, I got my, uh, what is she? Uh, the five or I forget what model. I thought she was number eight. Yes, I think you're right. I I I keep on forgetting those. Um but yeah, no, totally totally agree on that. All right, so that means that Flight of the Phoenix is now going to be the winner of our play in. That's going to show up in matchup number 5. So, let's go to something else here so that we don't talk about Flight of the Phoenix back to back. Our first true <clears throat> matchup of round 1 will be 6 degrees of separation from season 1 going up against Unfinished Business from Season 3. This one is a tough one. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Six Degrees of Separation summarized as Baltar comes under investigation when Number 6 appears in real life, accusing Baltar of helping the Cylons achieve the genocide of humanity and destruction of the colonies. An unfinished business goes a little something like this. In order to ease tensions among the crew, Galactica holds boxing matches between various crew members while flashback flashbacks detail apollo and starbucks falling out on new caprica sir which one'd you go with oh this was tough but at the same time i when when you compare the two of them i i just feel like unfinished business has a lot more weight to it um you know especially where you have this you know the 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 setting for for most of the episode is around this boxing ring yeah. And, you know, it's it's this thing they do to kind of get out the bad blood and, and basically, 
you know, kind of get out some angst and that sort of thing. And so you have, you know, the, the whole thing that goes, that happens between Tyrrell and Adama where Adama is basically trying to make the point to the crowd. Get your fat, lazy ass in the ring. Yes. Oh yes. Oh man. That's great. Yes. And, and, you know, Tyrrell play, you know, he's, he's, playing it timid because he doesn't want to, you know, hurt the Admiral, but that's the exact opposite of what he wants. You know, he, he, yeah. he wants to just take the beating and then make the point to everyone that, you know, I, I let all of you get too close to me and we can't have this sort of, you know, re- relax, like we can't be relaxed. He's like, look at what happened. You know, we, we, you know, the Cylons found us and we were, you know, we ended up not in a great spot for a long time. Um, so I, I thought that was really cool. And then, and then we have the whole like match between like Starbuck and, and Lee and it's, and I, I think that match very much summarizes their relationship throughout the entire series because they are yeah in a lot of ways like yin and yang, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there is no one being better than the other or one dominating the other. They just, just as it ends where they're just like leaning on each other and they just can't, you know, they can't stand up anymore, but they can't fight anymore. And, mm-hmm. and, and just the way it ends where, where they're just like, you know, like I, like I, you know, now they've got all, all, all the angst out of them, you know, how, how they miss each other and stuff. And, you know, and, and it was a very, you know, emotionally, it was a very heartbreaking episode for Apollo because you, you, you see what happens on New Caprica. You think that they are going to have a life together and, and start, you know, um, you know, kind of as a couple, which we had never really seen them do before. Mm. And I, I remember being shocked where it was just like the next morning, like, you know, it's all her idea. And, you know, she, she marries Anders and he's just, you, you know, like, like the way that, 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 and I'm sorry, the actor's name is escaping me who plays Apollo. Um, Jamie Bamber. Thank you. The way that Jamie Bamber plays that, whole scene was just incredible. I mean, you, you just see the shock and awe on his face and just, you know, just how gutted he is by the whole thing. And the fact his dad is like, you know, basically like, Hey, what's wrong? Yeah. You know, it's just like total. I mean, it's like, it's even worse. Yeah. It's just, it's like, you're watching someone just get disemboweled emotionally in front of you. And there's someone sitting there going like, yeah, isn't it nice? Oh, aren't they a lovely couple? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They have no clue what's just going on. So oh, I, yeah. I'm, I'm giving the nod to unfinished business. Um, six degrees of separation is, is a great episode. I, I like it a lot because it is, it is, uh, you know, Baltar at his smarmiest best trying to, Oh my gosh. Yes. Just trying to wriggle out of another bind that he's gotten himself into. And you know, this, and, and, and I love this version of six where, where she's just like so particular about, you know, the evidence she has and how, you know, he's, he's, you know, clearly in the wrong and all of this stuff. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, he's done. You know, you just think he's oh, yeah. done. And, uh, and then, you know, it ends up, uh, you know, not panning out and, and, and all that. So it, it was, it was such a great, great episode for James Callis and just that, that uh this isn't the no more mr nice guys one right yes, that, that it was, is oh oh is it okay it is. okay oh yes oh. i made sure i noted that down i'm like oh that's right please do shelly is the one in the in the bath in the bathroom stall and he's the one who's pounding on the door yes you know no you more mr nice list. guys <laughs> oh my gosh such a great line <laughs> such a great line and i think it's great i think that episode is great because like thinking about it now 
it's almost like James Callis is kind of like channeling Tim Curry from Clue in a little bit. Like it's turning yeah, into almost yeah. this British farce at moments where you're like, right. where he's just like, when he tries to like smash the computer or when, you know, and when they're talking about, you know, oh yeah, well, and here it is. And there he is with a bomb. And he's like, say what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. Like, oh my gosh. It's just, yeah. You're like, he's cooked. He is totally, yeah. he is totally cooked. Yeah. Um, and all basically to prove a point. And then also you, in that episode, you have, Hilo and Sharon finally get together on Caprica. Getting and uh, yeah, with and Hilo, of course, just so happy he doesn't he doesn't okay, calm down. There's no tassels involved. Just rein it in, would you? Come on, I was just trying to do a little silly music, man. Um, and then but uh, you know, he's so excited he doesn't notice the fact that her back is glowing. You know, oh, I mean yes. you know, details. It's the little I mean, things. We won't get into the logistics of why that seems like it's not a very good thing. But anyways, um, and then, of course, you have uh, Tyrell trying to get Starbucks Raider, uh, Cylon Raider going, which leads into like some of those things where it's like, you know, he's reading the instruction. It's like the the green gooey thing, squeeze it and then move it. (laughs) Then the the thing that looks like a sack. (laughs) move. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's great. Uh, but I will agree with you. Uh, I am going to have to go with unfinished business as well. Uh, such a great episode. Um, and, and for all the reasons that you said too, like, like if, if you've ever, 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 which is, I mean, this is like everybody at some point, I would imagine if you've ever had kind of that unrequited crush Mm -hmm. or, or whatever, and you've had that just kind of like your heart, just like essentially, like, it feels like it's been like just taken out of your rib cage and stomped on and then kicked into the gutter and then run over by a street sweeper. Like there's that part of that episode that you're like, Oh, I know. Oh, wow. Yes. This is in a galaxy far, far away, but yes, I know exactly what that person is going through. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, Oh my gosh, that was, that was tough. But then you watch the the fight itself happening in real time and you realize that like, Everybody kind of understands in some way what's going on, especially D and Anders, mm. who are watching this from the sidelines. Oh, yes. Yes, I failed to mention that, but absolutely. Like, how bloody uncomfortable is that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then, on top of that all, just going back to the, the, the Chief Adama match, you've got Roslyn, who turns out like a boxing fan, like playing like Mickey slash Duke to Adama and like trying to give him advice on how to win, you know, essentially like stick and move, stick and move, you know, kid. Oh my God. You got to eat thunder and crap lightning. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was waiting for her to tell him, you got to switch the left. You got to switch the Southpaw. I switching. Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, But yeah, it's unfinished business. Such a uh, kind of uh, an iconic, episode if you oh will. yeah like, very much there's so. so much about that which is kind of funny because this 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 uh kind of device was not used previously not used afterwards but it did its job like you totally buy that yeah this is something that happens you yeah know? yeah yeah there was nothing about it that rang untrue indeed all right so for matchup number two here in round one we have flesh and bone from season one going up against the oath from season four Flesh and Bone is summarized thusly. Starbuck interrogates a captured Cylon as Rosalind begins to have strange visions of the same Cylon. And the oath is, 
Gaeta and Zarek start an uprising in the fleet. You know, Gaeta just making some bad decisions. Indeed. Leaving the commanders of Galactica with a crucial choice. Sir, what'd you pick? Uh, this one, so I, in our Region 2 uh, picks, uh, Blood on the Scales, which is, I believe, the one that follows the oath, was what I selected as uh, mm. the, the final yep. pick to, to make it all the way out of, of the bracket. Uh, however, the oath is not going to get the nod this time. Uh, the, oh. the, 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 uh, you know, kind of the meat of, of that whole insurrection is really blood on the scales. And so for, for me, um, as, as good as the oath is, uh, flesh and bone, um, was just, uh, you know, again, one of those kind of iconic stories with, with, uh, the introduction of Leoben and the start of what would be a series long, kind of interchange between him and Starbuck uh, as mm. she comes in to in, in basically interrogate him. But at the same time, um, uh, you know, as, as it goes on, he's, he's basically, you know, slowly kind of weaving his way into, into her psychology and, and, you know, kind of playing mind games with her to some, de- to, to some degree, while also kind of informing her of, you know, what, what she's, uh, you know, the, like her greater purpose, if you will. And, uh, so I, I, I found this one really interesting. I, I remember this one because, uh, uh, you know, when, when Rosalind has that dream and, and you see Leoben and he gets kind of like sucked away through the forest, mm. it, it was just done in such a really creepy way. And, oh yeah. You know, and then to see it replay and see that it's really, you know, him going out the airlock, one of many of Rosalind's finest, um, yes. Madame, was, Madame airlock. Oh my gosh. Uh, was was just incredible. So I'm I'm gonna go with uh, flesh and bone uh, on this one because it, it it is it is just a gr- just a well done episode and and a well done piece of storytelling uh, o- overall. Yeah, I am gonna agree with you on this one. Um, I I did I had no notes on this. I didn't even look at really the episodes that closely because I was just I'm like yeah, uh, flesh and bone is is it. I just remember that one being a, a huge standout for me early on in this in this show where i was like dang okay this is not this ain't star trek this yeah. isn't star trek next generation i don't think Riker or you know jordy would be doing any of this stuff i don't think they'd be drowning a, a klingon in a bucket of water um and leoben just playing such a great kind of creepy character and, and oh, yeah. showing like he goes through all of this torture i mean let's just call it you know advanced interrogation techniques whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it but mm-hmm. Like they're trying to milk him for information. He goes through all of that and then basically shows that he could have snapped the the restraints at any given time. Yeah. Yeah. And it just adds that. Oh, my gosh. It was and it's an intense episode. And then to watch Starbuck kind of get turned around a little bit. Yeah. And just the final bit where, you know. You know, it's a very interesting performance from Katie Sackhoff. I'll put it that way. She's it's, it's in control physically for most of the time, but he's in control mentally. Well, not all the time. Like it, it really does shift about halfway through. He starts making those inroads until the end when you see this character who is up until this point, really a, a very tough character, tough exterior, hotshot pilot, not a lot of cracks in the armor. And this is really one of the first times that you start seeing a bit of that. That isn't just like pure emotion. It isn't just like, oh my gosh, I just lost, you know, Apollo's dead or something like that. Like there's there's a few times that stuff like that happens, but this is the first time you you kind of see her really starting to question things on a deeper deeper level. 
And uh, yeah, and I think I think uh, Katie Sackoff pulled it off really well. So, um, you know, the oath had some had some really uh, had some good moments in it. But it's one of those stories where or one of those episodes where it's it's really kind of getting here from one place to another. It's and you need those in any kind of series. You you have to have some episodes that just do some do some lifting and get you from, you know, from from B to E. And then the next episode takes over. And that's the one that really has the, you know, the big haps in it. And then, you know, you don't give as much credit to the one that just did the lifting to get you there. But indeed. Anyway, so so far now we have both lined up on three matchups, which is making me really, really, really nervous. Uncle Todd does not like copacetic-ness. No, I'm I'm an agent of chaos. All right, so matchup number three for round one. We have Maelstrom from season three going up against none other than the iconic regular season pilot 33 from season one. So Maelstrom is summarized as Starbucks past comes back to haunt her when Adama has doubts about her fi- about her fitness for duty. 33, of course, is following the exodus of humans from the colonies. The fleet is attacked by the Cylons every 33 minutes as the survivors cope with their losses compounded by their lack of sleep. Now, I know we said before that 33 is just going to run roughshod. But dang, if this wasn't a tough one, how did you how did you fall down on this one? Well, first I fell down because um, <laughs> I looked at that and I said, "Who on earth put these two up against each other in the first round?" Oh, you did. Oh, well, was, hey, no, don't blame me. This was the randomizer eight thousand. That's I right. Had, the, I, yep. I I know we we a pretty penny was paid out of the free range EDC budget for the randomizer eight thousand. That was like a dollar seventy five, I believe. <sighs> well, it was paid nonetheless, but. Uh, that was like 80% of our petty cash for the year. Yeah. <laughs> this randomizer you see which, before you represents the last of the petty cash. I was going to say, which is which is the best in, you know, that, that exchange in Ghostbusters, the best lines and involvement of petty cash that you've ever heard. It's like, slow down, slow down. I'll eat your yeah. food. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Oh, boy. So, um, yeah, this was this was so hard. Uh, Maelstrom is is you know the, the, this this carries serious weight in terms of the story and in, and in terms of moving it forward. It is uh, really a, a a very you know kind of critical and I and and I I'll use the word iconic again point in in the episode in this in season three because of what it eventually leads to uh, in this in the uh, season three finale. Um, so, you know, when you talk about weightiness and impact and impact on the series, Maelstrom brings it all. And then you got 33 and 33, if you have listened to our past episodes and we, you know, when we would break down season one and, and these episodes, uh, 33 is just, you know, I, I'm going to defer to uncle Todd because uncle Todd does writing on the side and, 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 and he is a much more, uh, uh, minded person about the the intricacies and the complexities of writing, but it is a well written, a well executed episode of television, um, and and one in which you know, uh, as as Uncle Todd has mentioned several times, really kind of highlights the uh, just the situation that that the crew is in, and and just this this relentless nature 
of the the enemy that they are trying to survive against and uh just does an amazing job of of portraying that in a very real and in a very grounded way that that you you have to connect with it you know it's very hard not to connect with it and you feel the relentlessness of it, and and uh, and and I, I remember uh, when uh, you know when we discussed uh, Last Jedi, that part of that story reminded me a lot of Thirty Three because there was that there was that constant pursuit of the Empire. It wasn't the same way. It wasn't you know you didn't have the characters dealing with the lack of sleep and all this stuff, but there was just kind of that mm-hmm. that relentless pursuit aspect of it. Uh, that that was just uh, you know there, and so um, so I I just Thirty Three is just an amazing bit of storytelling. And, uh, when I compare these two, I, 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 I just, I, I, I had to go with my gut and I had to give the nod to 33. So, uh, as much as it pains me to, to bounce Maelstrom in the first round and not have it advance because of how, how important and impactful it was to the overall story. Uh, 33 is just, you got to give it its due. It is, it is a phenomenal piece of storytelling and, and television. Uh, and it was an amazing way to kind of lead in from, from the pilot as a, the first real kind of episode of season one uh, and, and really kind of set the pace for that season and, and what the uh, ragtag fleet would be up against. What say you, sir? Yeah, there. So in, in terms of writing, there are, there's, a convention known as as ticking clocks like you you want there to be you want the the reader the audience to feel that there that time is ticking away that every moment is precious that there there is this constant pressure and it's and it's ratcheting up because the clock is ticking down and you want that that slow build of pressure along with everything else that's going on so you want ticking clocks and 33 has a literal ticking clock oh, all yeah. throughout the episode. Um, so much going on. And of course, uh, I'm, I'm always a fan of breaking sci-fi conventions. Like you don't see people from Star Trek, the next generation looking like the crew mm-hmm. of Galactica at the very beginning of this episode. Like they are haggard. They are worn out and you're yeah. finding out they've been, they've been up for like days and days and days and just operating on the there's no relief there's no there's no reserves there's no you know there's no star base to pull into for a break it's just them and it really it throws you not i mean think of it this way we just watched in in terms of context you would have just watched a mini series talking about the complete annihilation of billions if not trillions of human beings in this genocide by this alien race and you're seeing the last 50,000 and change survivors escape like defying all odds and and pushing themselves to their limit to escape with their lives somehow you manage to up the ante from that that is a monumental accomplishment in terms of writing mm-hmm to be able to actually pull that off and not just have that first episode be like, all right, so, you know, things are, you know, yeah, this sucks. Like, no, we're going to make it even like now we're tired and we're just, we're showing you just how bad it is. Like what the situation is almost like some people think that like 
if 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 the uh, you know the apocalypse happened tomorrow, that they would be the hero of their own movie. When in most cases they'd be the person sitting on the toilet, you know, a skeleton on a toilet after everything falls down. You know, it's like everyone thinks they're going to be this thing, and, and it kind of shows you what the reality of that is. Like, oh, there's no rest, there's no respite, there's no safe harbor. We are just being relentlessly pursued by by this race that is machine. Like they don't need rest. They don't need respite. They don't need all those things that we need. And they're after us. And how do you get around that? And then you, then you toss into that the entire Olympic carrier incident, which really is, is kind of the, one of the first like things of like, Oh my gosh. And now, now what now we're, you're shooting down your own ships. Holy cow. I mean, there's so much that happens in this episode. You get the kind of the first little inklings of maybe even like a little thing between Apollo and Starbuck when when she doesn't want to take the stims. Right. Right. You know, and 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 that because you get that little exchange there and then, you know, and then that look from Chief and Starbuck's like, what? And he just Chief kind of is like, yeah, OK, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, all righty, then mm-hmm. like nobody noticed that. Don't worry, you know. I mean, there's a lot going on in that episode, a lot going on. And, and I've, I've heard, you know, no greater authority, uh, no lesser authority, I should say, than Mark Bernardin, who is the, the co-host of Battlestar, uh, uh, Battlestar Galactic cast with Trisha Helfer. Very well tuned into the Battlestar commu- uh, community. Say it's basically one of the greatest pilots in television history, in, in his opinion. And I have to agree. It's a, it's a mother of an episode. An absolute mother of an episode that throws oh, yeah. you right into things and shows you things as you've never seen them before and just keeps upping the ante every step of the way. It's an incredible hour of television. Agreed. Now, something that I'm going to say here is that you said you had to go with your gut and Indeed. go with 33. Yes. I'm switching mine up. I, I oh honestly, come on! No, dude, I'm serious. I it's bugging me right now because you said go with your gut, and my gut is because I here's the thing. Like I just finished singing the praises of 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 33 in B flat minor with full chorus and three part harmony. Maelstrom to me resonates more on an emotional level. All right, and I've got to go with my gut on that one because by his gut he means the Katie Sackhoff detector. No, no, I'm although yeah, because I mean, let's face it, Starbuck. When you look at her character throughout the entire show, is so instrumental in their journey to get to Earth, and here you really get a deep look into her psyche, and you really start to understand who this character is and mm-hmm. how this character has been hurt and how she has been formed and what where that character has been on that journey. And you really didn't get that. I mean, you've seen parts of it. Like, yeah, you got to visit her apartment on Caprica with Hilo and you saw little bits of that and you've seen, you know, you've heard her kind of talk about things, but here, like you go right to like the fundamental relationship of like forming relationship of her life. And we kind of get to see like this along with the, her relationship with her dad in, uh, in season four. But this one is the one that wrecks you because you just understand like, oh, this person as a child and as a young adult was put through the ringer. Mm-hmm. And the emotionality of that with someone like Starbuck who, who thrives on being 
the best and being brash and you're not going to hurt me because I'm, I'm just too damn good. I don't care. Right. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden you understand where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And holy cow, is that gut wrenching? Like just the 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 scene with her mother in the apartment, like talking about her, you know, getting accept graduating from the academy, and that's not good enough because she should have been top of the class instead of seventeenth out of like a hundred and fifty some odd. And then basically telling her like you're going to die alone and leaving, and then getting that chance to be at her bedside later in the episode as she's dying. Something that actually did not happen in her real life, but she gets a second chance at it and sees mm. this scrapbook that her mother had that her mother actually did care, but didn't show it to her in any meaningful way. Like all of a sudden there's this kind of weird resolution around everything. And then you have, I mean, that then you have the entire thing with, with uh, you know, Adama and Lee thinking about, you know, oh my gosh, I think she's kind of losing it. And Lee actually pressuring her not really i mean yeah kind of pressuring her to go out like she's saying she doesn't want to fly and he thinks like oh this is the thing that's going to snap her out of it this is i mean this is what's going to do it and he goes out and he flies a patrol with her and that's when she ends up going in and it's and that guilt that i think that helps shape who lee is because after that you really don't see lee become be the pilot that he was i think this is where you start seeing lee head more into that direction with like romo lampkin and, and more of a civilian and all those things like this is this is really shaping who Lee is because I mean God you just watched your best friend mm. slash the the woman that you love or loved past tense I mean granted it's like whatever episode it is I mean it's who knows what it was that week but you're responsible for that because you're the yeah. one who put her in that cockpit right you're the right. one who was like telling her to go do it holy crap and that's before you even get to the very the oh my god and this this one wrecked me when i saw it that scene where you know she gave uh adama the little figurine that she got from the uh prophet or aurora yeah and it's like gives it to adama before that final flight like oh this would be a great uh you know front for the the ship and he this ship that he keeps building and rebuilding all these times and which I think, I think it was actually in hero or is it one of the other episodes where him and Ty get into a fight? Actually, no, it's in another episode. (laughs) And he's like, do you know how many times I've had to fix this thing? (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, it's so meta because every fan was like, yeah, actually I do have a count over here. Um, But he, he finally fits it in and the ship is done and then he trashes it. And you just and Edward James almost just gives you that performance of like just heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, my gosh, like just the emotionality of that episode. And that's why I say I got I have to go with my gut because emotionally that episode resonates so much more. from a technical standpoint. Thirty three is like it is a perfect TV episode. But Maelstrom just, I mean, it just gets at me right in the gut. I got to go right. with it. I, I'm going to change it up, and this is going to completely muck up my bracket here. Breaks so, the heart. Kind of. Because now I've got to adjust things. Oh, good. And I don't that... like adjusting things. No, he doesn't. All of course right, so... you do. You, you like to disrupt the status quo. Well, a little bit, but I mean, not when it's like me that has to do the follow-up work. I like to do it when other people have to follow, do the follow-up work. All right. Did I say that out loud? Damn it. All right. All right. I've adjusted enough. I think I can get away with uh, doing the rest of this on the fly. All right. So now we uh, we move on to uh, matchup four. 
here in round one. And this is going to be Epiphanies from season two going up against another season two episode, The Captain's Hand. So Epiphanies uh, is summarized as Rosalind lies on her deathbed, recalling her last days on Caprica with startling, startling revelations. Meanwhile, a group of sympathizers want to make peace with the Cylons. The Captain's Hand goes a little something like Apollo and Starbucks struggle with Commander Barry Garner. Oh, my gosh. You remember Barry Garner? Kevin McAllister's daddy. Good old Barry. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good God. Yeah, that explains a whole lot, doesn't it? Yeah, you it left does. a kid alone, and then you can fix a Battlestar with a wrench. Indeed. Uh, the overbearing chief engineer turns CO of Pegasus as Rosalind makes a decision on a very hot political issue following the arrival of a stowaway on Galactica. Mm-hmm. Oh, my good Lord. Was there ever a lot going on in that episode that I... I completely forgot about how much, how many moving parts that episode had going for it. No pun. Well, actually, pun intended. Indeed. So which one did you go with here, sir? Uh, I actually went with uh, Epiphanies. Um, the, and, and, and it's interesting. Um, you know, bo- both of them deal with a, <laughs> with a very heavy issue. Um, mm. And, uh, but, but Rosalind is dying and this is the, this is the episode where, um, you know, once again, Baltar, uh, kind of jumps into action due to his, uh, his head six, if you will, mm-hmm. um, wanting him to defend the, the baby that, um, that, uh, Athena is carrying and, uh, ends up suggesting, and I, I don't remember if this is based on anything or if he just like blurted it out because six told him to say something. Um, but, but how, how the baby's blood will heal her. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so Cottle goes forward and does it, and sure enough, Rosalind, I believe at that point, is cured. And yes. so uh, so she is, you know, like her entire state of being is, is, is now changed because she's no longer the, the dying leader. She has, a, you know, a, a new lease on life, and, uh, and she has to deal with uh, some Cylon sympathizers. And, uh, and along the way, uh, this ends up, or the note I have is Baltar comes on to Gina, because Baltar mm. does what Baltar knows how to do, um, pretty much. And, and at the end of this episode, we we have something that turns out to be a very critical faux pas once again by Gaius Baltar. He gives Go her figure. he gives her not a Hallmark card, <laughs> not a gift, not a little bottle of perfume, but a nuclear a little, warhead. Because that's what you give to May. a little to May. That is right. Yeah. He went to Jared. Oh, no. He went to Adama. That's right. Oh, crap. He got a nuke. Damn it. He got got a nuke. And where did that nuke end up turning up? Oh, I think that ended up blowing up somewhere near New Caprica and caused the Cylons to find them when they had no idea where they were looking. So, yep. Oh, my gosh. Gaius Baltar. No more Mr. Nights, guys. Um, Captain's Hand is uh, a good episode. Uh, you know, I, I found it interesting having a micromanaging kind of guy in charge of a battle star and seeing how the inability to delegate can can be uh, the the ruin of an individual. Um, but uh, this also deals with with a very heavy issue of of Rosalind dealing with uh, you know a woman who who is uh, dealing with uh, you know just needing to abort her child and and you know what comes with that and. And so uh, th- this this has some some impact because uh, not only does she deal with that situation in a very creative way because she has to also appease uh, many of the politicians uh, who you know kind of oppose her 
her viewpoint on it. But um, but it also leads to Baltar announcing his bid to run for president mm. and, and starts that whole thing off. So uh, so just just an episode that, um, you know, kind of moves the narrative forward and, and really kind of helps move season uh, two along. Um, but I'm going to go with Epiphanies because uh, it, it, it just it when, when I weigh them both, um, I, I mean, there there's there's impact, there's heft to them. But but Epiphanies to me just just kind of uh, wins the day compared to the captain's hand. So I'm going to go with Epiphanies. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you for for all of the reasons previously stated, although this one was much closer than I thought it would be, because I do remember just when we did our initial rundown of these, I totally tooled on the idea of like, oh, yeah, you can fix a Battlestar with a wrench. I mean, I get it. But man, that episode was just it was almost like what it was like. It was kind of nice to it was refreshing to watch someone else mess things up even more than Ellen. Yeah, because Barry Garner just could not get out of his own way. Like if there was a way he would step on his own shoelaces, he was going to find it. Damn it. I mean, Adama tells him it's going to be a trap. He jumps the ship, falls right into a trap. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just (laughs) like it's like watching one of the Stooges step on a rake. I mean, just but over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I remember that episode as well. Just though, I mean, you kind of. As cheesy as it is, there still is an emotionality to that, even yeah. though I know yeah. it's ridiculous. Like they, that is one of the things that BSG always managed to pull off, even when they gave you something that was that was kind of trite or or a little bit like, oh, okay, you're gonna go there, right on, all right. But by sheer force of the of the performances and of the way that they were able to establish characters and build those characters in a very short time in some cases and really flesh them out so that you felt like they were real people they managed to pull it off yeah yeah i I mean maybe not maybe not like with flying colors but a hell of a lot better than a lot of other shows when they try to do stuff like that so, I mean, I, I, it was a little bit closer than I thought because I was like, oh, anything up against the captain's hand is going to be a winner. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, kinda, I went back and forth a little bit on it. kind of surprised me. But in the end, Epiphanies is, is much more integral to the story. You know, you've got like the, the Cylon fetus, you know, tiger blood, uh, you know, healing. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Cylon blood. I was thinking Charlie Sheen there for me. It's so easy to get Charlie Sheen and, and Laura Roslin confused. Um, yeah. That was a horrible, horrible. Uh, uh, well, no, what? I'm going to stand by it. It is. It was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I'm... I know, I know. Uh, it's getting late. It's. I didn't make any coffee before. Getting this episode, punchy. Was a poor, poor decision on my part. Getting punchy. Uh, but I mean, that whole idea of like the Cylon blood healing Roslyn really did kind of change her outlook and change things in the fleet and the narrative and all that. And then, of yeah. course, uh, you know. Um, yeah, it, it, Epiphanies kind of gets the nod here. Yeah, mm-hmm. just for the the sheer hefted head and going towards the in the the overall story, shall we say? Indeed. All right, and that brings us to matchup five, which is where we have the winner of our play-in game, which for both of us is Flight of the Phoenix, going up against Torn from season three, which is summarized thusly: as Starbuck and Ty see discontent among Galactica's crew. Baltar attempts to help the Cylons deal with a virus spreading among their race. What'd you go for here, sir? Uh, I, this one wasn't close for me. Um, not, not that Torn is a bad episode, but 
I I'm just in the bag for Flight of the Phoenix um, compared to this. I, I the, you know Torn has has the interesting you know narrative uh, of of yeah the Cylons becoming infected now with some sort of disease and uh, and and basically um, you know Baltar kind of hiding it from them a little bit um, and it leading to to other things in subsequent episodes, but you know from an overall like impactful sort of uh and, and impactfulness and and weightiness i i just didn't see it and and maybe it's you know again maybe it's just bias where i've seen flight of the phoenix recently but um i i just felt like flight of the phoenix was just a more effective story more impactful story so i uh i went with that this one was a photo finish for me really much closer than i thought and and it really I, I've got to do. I'm honest with you. I was damn close to changing this one right now too, uh, and going with Torn because I'm going with Flight of the Phoenix. But I was almost ready to go with Torn, basically for that final scene with Ty, uh, Starbuck, and uh, and Adama when he walks in with a gun and basically just tells them to sh- one of them to pick it up and shoot him. Yeah, because it's just it, like he. It, it, that that there was just again is one of those things. That it seems kind of ridiculous, but damn if Eddie almost can't pull that off. And you just you see like these two, you know, like because Starbuck and, and Ty have been playing it up as yeah we're the badasses who were on New Caprica. We were we were, we were the resistance, and you you guys are all soft because you didn't. And then this dude comes in is like oh you're we're all soft, huh? Thunk. Yeah, yeah. What you gonna do? And you watch them both shrink from it. <laughs> yeah like, yeah man Adama's just playing for keeps you know and oh man like so it I, it kind of rests on that entire storyline because the other thing too is like the bizarreness of like how we went from miniseries like your first introduction to Starbuck and it's with her punching out Ty and that and them always being at loggerheads to now all of a sudden their buddy buddy yeah. In their grumbling is just it's a bizarre turn of events to say the least. Yeah. I agree. And so if only for that, I would I it was a lot closer than what I thought. But no, I agree. Flight of the Phoenix is is definitely more well, not more integral to the storyline because this also leads to Ty basically kind of exiling himself to his quarters because Starbuck gets her her act back together, cuts her hair back to kind of like um more of the the early series, you know. Uh, you know, kind of sharp fighter jock Starbucks sort of thing. Right. And Ty's like, nah, I'm going to go to my quarters and drink. Yeah. I'll be there if you need me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I'm pretty sure like it, it, even after hero, I'm pretty sure you didn't even come back then. <laughs> he was yeah. Like, right. Nah. Right. I saved you from that guy who wanted to kill you, but nope, I'm still going to go back to my quarters and I'm going to drink some more. <laughs> all right. See y'all. <laughs> like, dang. <laughs> I love how in all your impressions of Ty, he's just like stretching in some sort of uncomfortable <laughs> way. <laughs> well, it's because it seems like a very casual sort of thing. Like, all right, I my know. work here I is know. done. Yeah. I'll be seeing y'all. Adios. But, uh, yeah, but Flight of the Phoenix definitely wins out overall for a, a better overall episode. For certain. Now, this next one. No. Oh, boy. Go one on one with the great one. Yeah, this one, this one, oh man. Actually, you know what I wrote I for know. my notes for Exodus? 
I hate you? No. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I wrote the Adama maneuver. That is all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Hot dog sitting in the Viper tube. Like, this ought to be interesting. Indeed. Oh, anyways. So, as you, uh, you might have impl- uh, guessed right now, uh, matchup number six is a doozy, folks. We have Exodus part one and two from season three going up against Revelations from season four. Mm-hmm. Now, Whew. how do you summarize Exodus 1 and 2? Well, you do it like this. Both the resistance fighters on New Caprica and those within the fleet make their final preparations for the evacuation of the planet, while number 3 has strange dreams which lead her to a human oracle. With the return of the Galactica, the insurgents on New Caprica begin an all-out uprising in an attempt to evacuate the stranded colonists. Revelations is summarized as Deanna reveals that there are only four of the final five Cylons in the fleet and holds President Rosalind hostage while attempting to lure the four out of hiding. After a dramatic entanglement, the humans and Cylons join together and arrive at Earth. Woo, boy. So uh, Exodus Part 1 and 2 was the kickoff for Season 3. Mm-hmm. And Revelations was the 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 kind of um, petite... Uh, cliffhanger at the at the midpoint of season four so season three was the only well no season one and three both played out all the way through while season two and four both had kind of midpoint breaks in them so you had Mm. a season 2.2 and 2.5 you have a season four 4.5 so revelations was the the cliffhanger at the midpoint of uh season four and what a doozy of a cliffhanger it was indeed Um, because you want to talk about people saying, oh, well, at the end of Empire Strikes Back, just all is lost. It's so such a down ending. <laughs> you all ain't seen Revelations because you want a down ending. Oh, my gosh. You want a down ending? Get to Rosalind saying Earth and then the zoom out and credits. <laughs> Nuclear wasteland. That is, that's a downer, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Like Revelations essentially heard people saying that about Empire, like, hold my beer, mm-hmm. hold my uh, hold my ambrosia, will you? Uh, so uh, which one did you go with, sir? <sighs> <laughs> That's exactly the same sound I made when I was doing this one. It breaks the heart. Yep. Uh, but we must pick one. Um this one was very difficult and I went back and forth several times. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think what I ended up landing on, which very much pained me because the, you know, Exodus was, was just, was, was just such a high impact, you know, high action kind of uh, two, you know, two episodes where, you know, they're, they're making their big escape. They're executing their plan there's all of this, you know, stuff going on, and then they drop on you all of a sudden this this ridiculous stunt that Adama does, where mm-hmm. he just drops the 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 Galactica, you know, just just lets it just free fall. Oh yeah, like like a Hilo says, falling like a brick. Yep, yep, and you know, all all in the name of getting the Vipers launched, so they have the air superiority over the uh, over the Cylons, and then. I- the, that, the hair on my arms is standing up just thinking about it. I know, I know. And then, and then that jump they do just before they hit the ground was yes. was just incredible. I, you know, it, it it 
it was so hard because the, this, these are two very iconic episodes and, and mm-hmm. it's hard to say that one's impact was greater than the other because they are both, uh, emotionally, you know, heavy. They are impactful in the overall story and where it's going. Um, there, there really isn't, you know, a, a right answer here. And, and there, and it's, you know, you talk about a photo finish. This was the photo finish for me. But the thing that I kind of came back to was when I watched this, what, which one did I kind of come away from with that sort of emotional, you know, like, holy moly, what just happened? Yeah. And, and that's where I have to give the nod to Revelations. Oh, yeah. Because Revelations, while it, you know, brought the fleet to Earth, it, as you mentioned, left you with this ending of earth is a nuclear wasteland. It is not something they're going to be able to inhabit. So now, now after new Caprica and after finally getting to this point in their journey, where do they go? Like, where does this series go from here? Like, what do they do? Um, Oh my gosh. It, 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 it was like a punch to the gut. You're just like, Holy crap. Yeah. They just blew up the whole plan and I don't know what the heck is going to be the next step. So, um, so as, as much as it pains me to say it and, and I, you know, again, just like Maelstrom in 33, it's like, you don't want to leave either of these episodes behind in the first round, but I have to give the nod to revelations because of that ending. And, you know, BSG just had these iconic moments and this was one of them. Um, the, the Adama maneuver also one as well, but mm. you know, in terms of its impact on the overall story, revelations was massive. And, um, and ironically, both of them involving Deanna beers, trying to pull different chicanery and, uh, yep. failing in all, all realms of it, except for, uh, actually getting down to earth and seeing, well, it looks like I don't know what to do now. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. <laughs> So I'm going to go with Revelations. Uh, what was your uh, thought process on this, sir? Because this one was, uh, oh, had to take some Advil after this. Yeah. After, uh, you know, I said the other one was a photo finish. This was, it was just another photo finish. Even closer. Even yeah. closer. Like you had to, you were doing the enhance. Enhance. Indeed. To try and, which, which one crossed first? And man, Revelations was such a good episode because even as I was watching that in real time, I'm I'm watching it knowing like this is only the middle of the season like they can't be going to earth they they, they can't there's got to be some sort of twist it can't be earth and then like you say that gut punch which I don't even know if a gut punch even comes close I mean we're talking like a stone cold stunner cuz it just kind of com- came out of nowhere actually no a, it's more a, um a razor's edge if you will um no because that requires more setup I'm going to go what's a what's Randy Orton's Oh, the RKO? <laughs> yeah, that he can basically pull off from any different direction at any given time. Like, it was that sort of thing, because you just never saw it coming. And all of a sudden, they're standing there, and and like I said, that that moment when Rosalind just breathes out, Earth. And almost, you almost feel like she's excited. I, I, I can't even do it justice, because it is. It's just this weird thing where you're like, it sounds like she's kind of relieved, but she's not. You know what I mean? Like it was this very like multiple layers of emotion in that delivery that then you get that pull out and you're like, oh, 
well, crap. Now what? Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, such a great episode on on all levels. However, man, Exodus Part 1 and 2. Uh, the, the whole emotion of Adama essentially going on a one-way... You know, this was the one-way trip before it was a one-way trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And... Knowing that, you know, Lee sending his his father off, knowing that this is probably the last time he's going to see him, that there's no way that he can pull this off, even a Dama maneuver or not. And we see that he can't because as as you know, as they're trying to get away. And I think this is the episode where, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, we can you know, we could take on two, but not three. Right. You know, and, and he's he's is in over his head and you, you see that moment of him looking around the CIC, the, essentially that whole like moment when in every, it's like, it happens in most every show at some point, it's like, it's been an honor, you know, that sort of moment when everyone's, everyone's supposed to die. And he kind of looks around at everybody and then they pull out and pull out and pull out. And then all of a sudden you see those missiles come in and there's Pegasus. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be, you know, you talk about the, the, the last moment of flight of the Phoenix Damn it! That moment does it for me. Mm. Like that is just the moment to me that that made me jump off the couch when I first saw it. Just seeing Pegasus come cruising in and start taking them out, and and then you understand like Lee is on a one way mission. Like he didn't bring any of his Vipers. Like he yeah he doesn't he he just showed up to try and get a Galactica back. You know, all of that playing into it, all of the emotions of that, all of that, and I mean. Again, like the hair, like it did it with the Adam maneuver. Like I got a little choked up talking about Pegasus. I mean, this is a freaking TV show, but yeah, yeah, it, they, they it gets you to this emotional place. And so, man, Exodus just does that for me. I yeah, it checks all the boxes. As significant as Revelations is as, of an episode, Exodus is as well because it it puts the fleet back together. It kind of gets you back to that status quo. This one battle star, it it kind of gets you back on the journey. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, and it's, it's just a phenomenal episode. It, and it functions so well on multiple levels, like emotionally, as an action episode, as, I mm. mean, drama. I mean, there's even some humor in there and all this stuff. It's just like it works every which way. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, one of the one of the perfect kind of not episode because it's actually two episodes, but it is it is. I can't imagine how to improve it. Can't imagine. I I hear you. I hear you. All right. Now, um, <laughs> well, hey, you know, after a couple of tough ones, why not go for another one? So here's a matchup number seven where we have Crossroads from season three going up against sometimes a great notion from season four, which uh, so now we have the the ending of um, of season three going up against the beginning of the second half of season four. So sometimes a great notion following immediately hot on the heels of revelations. Crossroads is summarized thusly as tensions mount as Baltar's trial begins. Caprica six stirs memories of Colonel Ty's wife. Uh, the trial concludes uh, uh, Baltar's, uh, <coughs> Baltar's trial concludes. The fleet jumps into the Ionian Nebula and four of the final five Cylons discover their own true identities. Sometimes a great notion is Earthers are revealed to have been populated by Cylons until a nuclear war 2,000 years in the past. Starbuck tracks the homing signal and finds her own remains on the planet, and the identity of the fifth of the final five Cylons is revealed. So 
Final five playing a big part in both of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Which one are you going with, sir? Well, this one I do think is one you can weigh one with a little more heaviness and, and impact than the other. Um, and and partially unfair because Crossroads is a two-parter. But there is a lot of weight that goes on in Crossroads. Um, mm. in, in that trial and, and how there are relationships that, you know, just undergo the test and, and, and in some ways are damaged very severely, um, through that trial, you know, Baltar does what Baltar does best. And that is wreak holy havoc on all that is around him. And, uh, all in the, all the purpose of saving his own arse. Yes. And, and, and none exemplifies it more than, than when, when Lee goes and cross examines Rosalind mm. and she begs oh, of him to not go gosh. To that place where he makes her reveal that she's sick again. Yeah, and oh, so heartbreaking. Dude. Oh my gosh, it, it it was. I mean, just the emotional heaviness of it all, and uh, and 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 how well acted it all was, and oh my gosh, just so good. Then you have the other, you know, thread going about, you know, Ty and others hearing this song, and that plays out through these two parts. And then you get to the revelation that they are the final five, which is, you know, this, uh, this, this series has a number of holy bleep moments. And that is mm-hmm. probably the top one, because you're looking at those characters saying after all this time and after everything they've been through, these five have actually been a part of the very thing that they were running from and fighting against. Yes. And, and we, we will find later on, uh, in, in other episodes, what, what the backstory around that is, but, uh, but that goes on. And then if that isn't enough, the coup de gras, if you will. Yeah. Lee, but wait, there's more. Lee decides, well, you know, I, I, I did this lawyer thing and I'm bored. So I want to go out and fly again. And while he's flying out there, um, all of a sudden, uh, Starbuck pops back in into reality, and Lee's just like, "What in the goodness gracious am I looking at?" And that is, it, it is Starbuck in, in all her glory. Um, and so we have the return of Starbuck. So there is a lot that goes on in that finale, and and just you know, just so much weight and and so much uh, heaviness, and and the way it impacts the, where the story goes and the series as a whole is just incredible. So. Uh, as much as I, I, you know, as I picked revelations and I believe sometimes a great notion is, is what follows right after revelations. Yes. The thing that really made this decision difficult was this is the episode, sometimes a great notion where, uh, where, where, where D has her moment. Yeah. And that was, as you and I have talked about many, many times, a, a tremendous gut punch because you just do not, there, there is no, if you said that you saw that coming in that episode, you lie. I'm sorry, yes. but you yeah, lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there, there's some storytelling going on. Like, I, I think this was the episode I remember when you were watching and I hadn't really started watching yet. I, I think you tweeted this or put it on Facebook. It's like, well, folks, we're all Cylons. Good night. <laughs> yeah. Because because of the revelation that 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 basically it was Cylons who had inhabited the Earth and was the thirteenth tribe, mm. and which and is this, funny because I, I hadn't you know I hadn't watched that all the way through and then you know I still turned out to be right. You did, you did. <laughs> so there there is heft in that, but 
I think when I just weigh the two of them, I, I feel like Crossroads just carries more, and I and and that's and and it resonates more with me because of that, and therefore I I will choose that as the winner. I, as much as I hate to leave behind sometimes a great notion because it is a very emotional episode. Um, you know, Deanna. This is the last time we see Deanna Beer. She decides that she would rather die on this wasteland planet than be pursued by Cavill because she has now burned that bridge with him. Um, and so she she ends up staying behind, and and she she the the last of her of her model, and and dies off in in that on that world. Um, we also have Starbuck, you know, reconciling, and you know she finds her corpse. She finds her her ship from, from, um, from Maelstrom. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, she's trying to make sense of this all. And to the point where she's freaking Leoben out now, you know, like yeah. Leoben's always been, he's always held the crazy card. Well now she, she holds, she, uh, she holds a full, you know, a full house. So, uh, so he, he, he's kind of thrown off by her. And, and so we have that. And so it's, it's, uh, oh, and then I can't forget at the end of this one uh, that Ellen is revealed to be the fifth. I think, yeah, we only know the mm-hmm. four at the end of Crossroads, and then Ellen is revealed to be the fifth. Uh, when, yeah, Ty when, goes for a little walk out in the water. Yeah, walking on water. Um, so, you know, Where's so not to I? be outdone, but but it, it it is a good episode, but and a, a very you know, ha- has its moments and, and has its, its, you know, tremendous and tremendously impactful moments, but I got to give the nod to Crossroads there. There's just more there. And, uh, uh and, and it is a classic. Yeah. I, to this day, like I, I just, that, like you say, if anybody saw Dewala's suicide coming there, they are absolutely lying just flat out lying mm-hmm. you didn't see it coming and it happened so quickly there was no time to compute what was going on right right and the absolute heartbreak of that and then realizing this is a fictional character like this is not based on a true story <laughs> i mean as far as we know i mean maybe ron moore has an inside track on this uh you know some some pithia prophecies that we are not privileged to but this is a fictional character and it was like you you lost someone that you knew like that's how well they they kind of wrote and acted and and these these characters and that is a huge moment and that entire episode because again it's it's stuff you don't see or you did not see because now i think i think in many ways battlestar galactica did change the way that television was made in some ways. I think that after this show, and especially then when you start getting into streaming and just the way that streaming works, shows kind of changed and they and they did things a little bit differently. But before this, and especially in a sci-fi show, you didn't see characters hit rock bottom like this. If they did, they bounced back by the end of the hour. And here you right. just saw an entire group of people lose it. And they were already we already saw like shades of this throughout how many seasons. I mean, look at see, look in uh, the previous season and Tyrrell was putting together the Blackbird. You know, the whole reason he did that is because he was, you know, people were just, you know, r- zombies. They were just going about their business. They weren't doing anything new. They were just, you know, lather, rinse and repeat. So, I mean, this had been playing there, but then you actually see this, like all of these people just bottom out, just bottom out. And, and you see it with D was a character who, 
always managed to kind of carry herself through. And she just can't do it anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it, it was it was an insane episode that to, to even now still is just like, oh, my gosh, like I, I I I know it's it's so like foolish. But if I were ever to meet Candace McClure, I'd be like, I'm sorry, but I just need to give D a hug. I'm <laughs> like, I, it's it's going to be OK. It's going to be OK. Yeah. And she'd probably be like uh, security, please. Um, This one right here. Yeah. He needs to. <laughs> Uh, and totally justified, but, uh, but I'm going to have to go with crossroads because it is just a mother of an episode for yeah. all the reasons that you put out there. Um, just the, the whole process of the, the final four, you know, four of the final five coming together. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the trial Ty lose going off is not on the stand. Oh, I mean, right. Right. You know, you know, it's in the fracking ship. I I mean, oh my gosh, just so much going on. Um, you know, Michael Hogan can play the crusty, oh. crazy old guy with the best of them, doesn't he? It's yeah. like, who's oh, so, playing that music? Those kids. No, I'm kidding. Such a great and and he again, he was one of those guys. that was he was a a guy. I think he's uh he was a guy from Vancouver. Like they, yeah. he was a guy that they cast. They didn't specifically go out and like, we got to get Michael Hogan. It was like, he got picked up along the way is just like, okay, well he's, he's in Canada and that's where we're filming this thing. So perfect. We don't have to get him across the border or anything. So, right. you know. um, but yeah, that, I mean, the entire trial, Adama basically saying that he, he was one of the not guilty votes for Baltar, even though beforehand he basically said like, hang him high, essentially. Um, yeah, there's just so much going on there and so much to kind of push you forward. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it just uh, a fantastic story. Fantastic Seminal story. moment of the series. Yes. So couldn't, as much as I wanted to go with sometimes a great notion, uh, this is a tough matchup. Yeah. Very yeah. tough matchup. All right. I'm going to need your help on this next one. because uh, So we got uh, matchup number eight, final matchup for round one. And is this sign Quanon? Or is it, is sine quanon. Sine quanon. Okay. Thank you, sir. You're much more cultured than I am. So I was relying on you for that one. Uh, oui, from oui. season four and then downloaded from season two. So sine quanon is summarized as in the aftermath of President Rosalind's abduction, a bitter power struggle erupts, which threatens to tear the once ordered world of the colonial fleet apart. Now, I'm not sure when they said once ordered, what time period they were talking about because it seems like everything been flying apart at the seams right since the miniseries but hey, whatevs um <laughs> downloaded it is described as rosalind and adama struggle to decide what to do with the cylon slash human hybrid as sharon goes into labor meanwhile caprica six and boomer are downloaded and reborn on caprica mm-hmm. what do you got for this one sir uh this one i went uh with downloaded uh i i think you know this this one carries with it the the start of the Cylon Civil War with Six and Boomer both mm-hmm. uh, being models who have experienced you know some some attachment of of love and, and that human understanding and then coming to the conclusion that you know maybe what we did was wrong and uh, and then now they're they're kind of like feeling uh, a bit insecure because they're afraid they're going to be boxed. Um, you know, Diana is kind of rising as, as kind of the alpha uh, amongst them in, in some ways and wanting to, you know, kind of maintain the status quo of where they are. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, uh, you know, so, so we have the interesting situation of Anders attacking them, 
and then uh, six and Boomer saving Anders uh, and letting Deanna die, um, knowing that you know she's going to resurrect and basically inform on what they're doing. So so now now we start to see where where the splinter begins, and uh, and then over on Galactica we have Boomer having Hera, um, and then Rosalind you know kind of transferring the the baby to another woman so that there isn't this knowledge that the baby was born and, and survived, you know, her, her fear of the Cylons kind of pursuing them because of this. Uh, and then Hilo and Boomer having to deal with the, you know, devastation of, of the lie, which is that their, their child died. Um, so I, I just feel like it just has way more uh, emotion and, and, and I feel like there's a, there, there's kind of a, a consistency to it or a straight line through it that, that I think is really interesting. Whereas with Sine Quanon, um, I, what throws me for a loop is Lampkin, you know, like, like I, I like Romo Lampkin, but this whole idea, like he pulls a gun on Lee because he's like, we don't deserve to have a president who would bring us so much hope. And I'm just like, that just feels like such a weird thing to do, you know, but I don't know. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen the episode, so maybe I'm kind of suffering from that a little bit. But, um, but I just feel like downloaded is just just maybe a more cohesive and and you know kind of uh, straightforward story with with a bit more impact. Uh, you know, in in, in terms of uh, how it propels things forward. Yeah, I think uh, the whole the whole Roma Lampkin thing with Adama is is very reflective of that of where the show was at that point mm. and, and it and because and, and to me it fits like i you know crazy romo lampkin is is definitely my jam I, I i can't remember the actor's name but i've i've loved him in everything that i've seen there's there's one episode of doctor who that he was in that i was just like oh hey romo and um just i i've enjoyed him and stuff i've seen but you know crazy romo kind of fits at that period because you've got a lot of just weird stuff that's happened to these people and so why not some more weird stuff uh, that being said, as as much as I kind of I did enjoy that episode, as much as I, I say that, uh, downloaded is has so many seeds that are planted going forward. Like you said, it's a, it's kind of the beginning of the Cylon Civil War, and you get the seeds planted for that. But you also get the seeds planted for essentially how this whole the entire thing with with uh, Athena is going to shake out with Boomer. You know, all of these things of uh, and and kind of that original sin of telling Hilo and 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 Sharon that the baby died and then hiding it from them, which then comes back to bite them in Exodus when Deanna winds up with the kid. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all of that or is it Deanna that ends up with the kid or did uh, did Caprica? No, I think Deanna picks up the kid. I think so. Yeah, yeah. But I mean that it's one of those things that going back to Adama's speech from the miniseries like you know, you you can't hide from the the things that you've done. And this is going to be something that at the time, yeah, this seems like the right thing to do. It's going to come back and bite him in the ass over and over again. Yeah. You know, this idea of of hiding Hera and uh yeah, it, it just it's one of those things that, yeah, you can't get around that. And it also gets into the whole, you know, Caprica six thing and, and where all that's heading. And very interesting episode that is going to really have a lot of weight in other in these stories going forward. So, yeah, I went with downloaded as well. I mean, when you think about it, right, because of their 
you know, kind of uh, moment of, of clarity, it, it really spell it, it really lends itself to why the Cylons don't wipe them out when they catch up with them in New Caprica. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, there seems to be, you know, something afoot in terms of, and I think this is the first time that six starts to see her, her, her uh, head Baltar. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, um, yeah, because there was one other uh, crossroads. It was Head Baltar as well, but I think this is yes. Uh, Download was the first time that she saw him, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Which was so. funny because it's like, oh wait, so this works both ways. Which then, of course, <laughs> leads to that wonderful moment in the finale when you have both Head Six and Head Baltar, and they're both looking at each other like, you can hear them. Yeah. <laughs> silly so me, funny. silly, silly me. Oh my gosh. I just I, I I wish we had gotten more head Baltar. I really do because yeah. that was probably one of my favorite Baltars mm-hmm. because it was like let's take Baltar who's already on eleven. Let's crank him up to like fifteen and mm. just see what happens. Let's see if the tubes actually just blow out. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was great. <laughs> so great. Oh good. Stuff. Oh my gosh, I love this show. It's oh my gosh. Anyways. So that puts us into round two. Uh, thank you for hanging, uh, hanging around. Now I think we're into hour five. Yeah. Uh, so let's get started on this uh, first matchup in round two is the winners of the first and second round one matchups. So for you, that is unfinished business versus flesh and bone. For me, that is oh, look at that unfinished business versus flesh and bone. What are you taking, sir? Uh, I'm going to give uh, unfinished business the nod. I, I feel, uh, as good as the Leoban episode is, uh, I, I really enjoy, uh, and, and find that, 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 that boxing episode just carries a lot of weight to it. And, and, uh, and for all the reasons we've already talked about. So I'm going to give unfinished business the nod. A little bidneth. Um, I am, I am right there with you, but I, I just really got to I got to appreciate the OG, you know, series episode. Starbuck. Well, I mean, hey, it's not like unfinished business doesn't have a whole lot of Starbuck in it. I mean, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> it's it's sort of like an embarrassment of riches when you really get down to it here. Um, but I I I do think that it really it it started to inform you about who Starbuck was. Mm-hmm. That she wasn't just the fighter jock. She there was there was some complexity there. Um and that you you started seeing some layers. So I really appreciate that part. And of course, I mean you got crazy Leoban, and this is where you really start seeing him kind of play. And, and, and like in Crossroads, like you said, like he's always the one who's like, yeah, I'm crazier than everyone. And I see the things in the stream passing by and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden she's like, he's like, whoa, that's your corpse. That's and you're right. Uh, I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, know what's going on anymore. You know, when you freaked out Leoban, like the, yeah. the Arby monsters here, we're yeah. off the edge of the map, you know? And I just appreciate that. Like that's that is the marker of like, okay, we have reached peak insanity because even Leoban's like, I'm out. I'm, yeah. No. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, I'll go with flesh and bone on that one. Nice. nice. So then we get to round two, matchup number two, which is the winner of three and four matchups from round one, which puts uh, thirty three against Epiphanies for you, and which uh, mess is a first kind of adjustment to my bracket, which is puts Maelstrom versus Epiphanies. So which one are you going with, sir? Uh, it's, this is where the matchup gets a little bit unbalanced and, and I, you know, 33 is just clearly, uh, a head and shoulders above. So I'm, I'm going 33 on this one, no comparison and, uh, do not need to re-adjudicate for, for, for why, uh, we, we, I think spelled that out pretty, 
pretty clearly and 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 uh, with some longe- some longevity. So uh, I will uh, pass the baton to you, sir. Thirty three is my choice. Now, would you say this is almost like a like Niners versus uh, San Diego San Diego Chargers back in the day, sort of margin of victory? Like, was it that big of a stomping? Um, what would be the right? I don't remember what the opponent was, but I would say back during the Brady Randy Moss era, two thousand eight, whatever the fifty some odd point game they did, where they were just like it was like playing a video game like the oh was that of, against the titans and and it was like bad weather too but somehow oh they gosh. were still throwing the ball <laughs> yeah like 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 that's almost what it's like it's just it's yeah. it's so like you know not even a contest <laughs> yeah yeah and i will agree with you because i'm going to give maelstrom the, it's the same sort of thing like there's yeah. no competition yeah. there i mean epiphanies is a is a is a good episode it was good enough to get out of round one but no 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 that ain't gonna happen not gonna hang with the big boys no. So round two matchup number three is the winner of uh, the fifth and sixth matchups from round one, which means we have Flight of the Phoenix versus Revelations for you and Flight of the Phoenix versus Exodus for me. What are you going with, sir? I'm sighing. You going with is the Blackbird going to continue to fly? Oh, I'm afraid the Blackbird is uh, is grounded, ladies and gentlemen. Uh <laughs> Kind of similar to thirty three. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say it that way. This this is a, a still tightly contested contest, except for the fact that I mean, Revelations just has that that ending that just separates it out. It is mm-hmm. it is a seminal moment in in the series, uh, and and as much as Flight of the Phoenix is is a solid solid episode, I, I got to give the nod to Revelations. It just carries more heft, more weight, and uh, the the results of that episode reverberates through the remainder of the season. So I'm going to go Revelations. Right on. Uh, I am going to have to go with Exodus. Uh, man. Same reasons, I'm sure, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, Adama Maneuver. Adama Maneuver. Yeah. Pegasus. That's, it, that's it, all it just, I'm going to say. It just doesn't compare. <laughs> no. No, no. I mean, not. I mean, granted, it, it it's tough because it's a two-parter as well. I, yeah. I acknowledge that. Yeah. And and Flay the Phoenix is a great episode. Don't get me wrong, but man, Adama maneuver. Although Pegasus, I mean, come on, uh, yeah, come we on. failed to mention oh, we talked Fat Apollo. That was that's that's where the GIF comes from with Fat Apollo on the Raptor. Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> so I mean, we have that going for it too. We do. Uh, I was going to say one thing we failed to mention with Flight of the Phoenix, which was kind of funny, was uh, at the end when Rosalind uh, goes to lift the champagne bottle as if to oh, crack yes. it open, and Tyrrell's like ready to be like, "Oh my God, no!" Oh no, everyone does. Everyone like just starts yeah. running towards yeah. her, and she has that. Like, just kidding. I'm like, oh, oh, Mary McDonald is just so good, good so stuff. good. Oh my gosh. All right, so we've got Revelations and Exodus winning for us there. Now we get to uh, the final matchup in round two. This is the winner from seven and eight in the first round. So for you, that is Crossroads versus Downloaded. Uh, it's Crossroads versus Downloaded for me, too. What do you got, sir? Uh, this is, again, uh, Brady and Rupp Moss against the Titans. Uh, this, I, I, As much as Downloaded is, wow. is, is a solid episode, this is Crossroads. There, you know, As we talked about, there, there are three massive threads that go throughout this one. And uh, Crossroads just gets the nod. Mm, yeah, same here. Same here. It was it was a nice little run for you. Downloaded. Indeed. It was nice of you to nice of you to come along, but 
uh, here's the home version of the game and, you know, enjoy your Greyhound bus home. Uh, so next up, we get into round three. Now the business starts getting really <laughs> serious. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Here we have the winner from round uh, two, the first and second matchup, which for you, in this corner, um, uh, going with the boxing theme, uh, unfinished business versus the juggernaut that is 33. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, uh, that is going to be uh, just a for oh, sorry here. Uh, this is going to be, wait a minute. Um, oh, yeah. This is, oh, my gosh. This one's tough for me. Flesh and Bone versus Maelstrom. Mm. Oh. All right. So w- just to put off the inevitable for me, what, what are you going to take, sir? Uh, not quite a blowout, but, you know, again, it's, it is hard to, uh, you know, really have a strong comparison between these two. I mean, Unfinished Business, as we've talked about, solid, solid episode. Uh, but but 33 is just just so just in such a class of its own. Um, and, and for all the reasons we talked about before, and, uh, uh, this is when I need to part with the boxing theme and the boxing match and, and, uh, continue to advance 33 into the, uh, semifinals of this bracket, uh, mm-hmm. because it is, it is such a strong episode. And so, uh, 33 it is. How about you, sir? Uh, I'm going to have to, you know, I rearranged my bracket specifically to, uh, for Maelstrom to continue, and uh, I'm just going to keep riding that train. Maelstrom's going to make it out over Flesh and Bone. Uh, two Star Trek, uh, Starbuck centric episodes, duking it out. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm kind of a winner either way, but it was kind of tough to bid farewell to Flesh and Bone. Oh, I see what you did here. You you were br- you saw what was going to happen. You were going down a road of another season one Starbuck episode, and you hey, went you know with what? Maelstrom. I don't. I never claim to not book on the fly. You know, sometimes <laughs> you got to change things up. Things are happening. You got to read the crowd. You got to read the crowd. Card is subject to change, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh wow. Very All nice. right. So the second matchup in round three is the winner of three and four from round two, which means we have a matchup of revelations versus crossroads for you. And that comes down to Exodus versus Crossroads for me. The beginning oh. and the end, the alpha and the omega of season three. It breaks the heart. Oh gosh. Oh, I, I'm still. It's I. I, I might Advil. change this. Give I don't me know. Advil, please, Advil. Yeah. Oh, attack with Advil. I'm gonna need some like Motrin and a good stiff drink of wild <laughs> wild turkey. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. So, so what do you got, sir? let's see. So I'm crossroads against revelations. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, this, this one, this is so hard because revelations such, you know, su- such a moment, but at the same time, a lot of what makes revelations great is around that one moment and, or, or mm-hmm. just that, that ending. And, and as we've talked at length, crossroads just has, you, you know, when you have three different massive streams, storyline streams going on that just have, huge implications across the series and across the, you know, the relationships of these characters and stuff like that. I, I just got to go with, with Crossroads. It's, it's a tough decision and I I hate to leave revelations behind, but Crossroads was, was, I I mean, I, I sat there and watched that for the first time and was just blown away by, by what I saw happen and, and how they advanced the story and the way they just took chances on, on just, you know, taking some risks with these characters and doing different things. And so crossroads, it is my friend. 
Yeah, I I still feel like I would be doing a coin flip right now. Like I know I have I know I know I have crossroads written down, but I feel like I ought to be flipping a quarter cuz really oh, man, Dama maneuver versus versus tie at the end. Oh. <laughs> Moisey makes it. He looks around the room and you see all the dots connect for tie. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. Oh, that yeah, and and of course, then you get you know there must be some kind of way out of here, and mm-hmm. oh jeez, mm-hmm. it kind of all falls into place. Oh man, so Bear the Starbuck to the chief. Jeez, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Crossroads again. Mm. It, it's such a great episode, and really does. It's a springboard forward, and and like you said, everything it sets up everything for Revelation, sets up everything for the end of the show. Yep, like yep. right there. Yeah, um, such a great, you know, two parter. Such a great bit of writing and acting and and just directing and everything. Got to go with it. Got to go with it. Mm-hmm. So now that brings us to our final round. This is it. This the is finals, baby. The de- this is determining the winner of the Apollo and Starbuck Heart and the Heartbreakers tour. Um, for you, this is going to be thirty three versus Crossroads. Do not envy that choice, sir. No, and, uh, I don't. I don't envy my choice either. This is Maelstrom versus Crossroads. Oh my gosh. So what do you got? <sighs> Not to sound like a broken record, but, but you're going to sound like a broken record <laughs> when, yeah, when, when, when you weigh them both, I mean, you know, this, this, and, and it's kind of unfair cause, cause it is a two parter. And so it, it, it can kind of carry a bit more content with it. But, but again, I, I got to go back to the fact that you just have those three massive streams going and, and how impactful all three of them, like, it's not like just one hits, you know, in terms of, of, of making an impact, it's all three, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's just, it's just massive. And it is such a great, great season finale. Um, 33 ironically was, you know, kicking off season one after the pilot. And so, you know, as, as I thought it over and thought it through and ruminated and debated, <sighs> I must adjudicate it. Uh, and, and have, have, uh, so- selecticated, uh, crossroads part one and two from season three as my, uh, final pick in the Apollo and Starbrook heartbreakers tour, uh, themed bracket of this, our BSG extravaganza. Thank goodness you aren't going to rhyme again <laughs> for a few moments. <laughs> How about you, sir? So you have the, 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 uh, I, I do not envy your choice. Maelstrom, which is a solid episode versus Crossroads, which is just a monster of an episode. What say you, sir? <sighs> it's, it's <laughs> there, and there's the sigh. <laughs> Crossroads sets up so much. Yeah. It really does. I mean, yeah. you get four out of the five final Cylons, which, I mean, we kind of know now just through the making of like that, that was not necessarily something that was, that that Ron Moore and the writers necessarily a hundred percent knew where that was heading when they first started out, you know, and 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 just to do it so masterfully and to give us to give us four Cylons, you would never have expected. I mean, yeah. Ty yeah. certainly not. Yeah. Um, you know, Tyrol, no. Anders, like, he just got here five minutes ago, and then and then Tori, who you're like. I Tori has just been kind of off to the side. Like she has not been like, you know, she's had him 
important moments, I guess, here and there, right. but has not been like a prime player in a lot of these stories. And all of a sudden now it's like, whoa, okay. So yeah. she is really important to this whole thing. And it, it was an incredible bit of storytelling, incredible and reveal. And then you have Maelstrom. It's the end of Starbuck versus the return of Starbuck. I got to give it to Maelstrom because, <sighs> because at the end of the day, Starbuck is the is the thread that runs through and she is the one who is always kind of the one getting you closer to Earth. And she is the one who ultimately will get them to Earth. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen without kind of this emotional catharsis that she has and her going away that when she comes back, there is this kind of knowledge for her. And then, mm-hmm. it, of course, that doesn't exactly take them to a great place because that's where we ended with Revelations. But ultimately, it is Starbuck at the at the keypad, that last moment when, you know, it's like, you know, get us out of here, Starbuck. You know, I don't know, anywhere. And she punches in the numbers, mm-hmm. and that's the final jump. It doesn't happen without this. So, I mean, I, I've got to go with Maelstrom. Got to go with it. And it's a tough one because, man, Crossroads is, it's it's right there. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to take Maelstrom. Interesting. So, Very I managed to avoid having another season one Starbuck episode, but still another Starbuck episode. Ladies and gentlemen, final four, all Starbuck. Here we go. You know what? I I'm trying my hardest to den- to deny that's going to happen, but it looks more and more like that is what's going to happen, doesn't it? Oh, you just didn't you you just avoided a season one, you know, like you know, run there for 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 the most part with this. <sighs> Maybe we'll see. We'll season see. one will not run the table. No, no, no. However, Starbuck might, and then I'm going to have some real real bad choices come the final episode. <laughs> that one's going to be real tough. That'll be breaking odds. And another thing. So what do you got for and another thing this week, sir? Well, my and another thing is actually inspired by you, sir, and, and your your uh, your avoidance of that which you must uh, you know try because it is so simple and so fun, and it is brain calisthenics, my friend. It is Wordle. Oh hell no, Wordle, my friend. You do not have to sign in. You do not have to sign up. You just you just load it up and you play it, and and you are. You are are pulled into a world of what could this be? How do I rearrange these letters and and form the word of the day? And it it just it like it's an itch, you know. It's kind of like the Jedi itch, dude. Uh, you know what? I I do that every single morning. Yes, it's me trying to talk to anybody before I have my first <laughs> cup of coffee. I don't need an app for that. <laughs> oh, but I'm you all do. set. No, oh, I'm not. You, you know, I'm come I'm to the dark side, of- sir. Come to the dark side. Nope, ain't gonna happen. All right. Well, yeah. So, so my, my my item is just you know if you haven't jumped on the train, please do. It is it is delightful. It is a little bit of uh, fun for the day and uh, just kind of gets gets the brain for for me at least. I mean, I'm sure people do it at different times of the day. For me, it's one of my my morning activities uh, to to kind of get the brain firing on on at least you know three out of the four cylinders. So, uh, do check it out and uh, and you know. Put a good good word into Uncle Todd on the uh, Twitterscape. You know, just get him to do it. Not going to happen. How about you, sir? Gonna, what do you got? 
You know, I'm pretty sure I've I've had this one as in another thing before, but uh, I just I've been rotating around my streaming apps, so I, I cleaned out a few, and then I I signed up to the Paramount Plus again so that I could watch uh, Picard mm. and also a new season of uh, Star Trek Discovery, and I guess now we're getting this other Star Trek uh, series starting in May, so I don't, I don't know if I'm going to stick around long enough for that or not, but uh, with paramount with the paramount plus uh get access to a bunch of movies and uh this movie was one of them that i hadn't seen it in a while and watched it again excuse me and uh it's called bumblebee and otherwise known as the one good transformers movie since the animated transformers movie back in the 80s nice um just a great flick dude like i Mm -hmm. and i don't did you ever get a chance to get around watching this because we mentioned we talked about this at least not on the show, but we might have talked about it after one of the shows. You know, I haven't. So I I will try watching this if you will try Wordle. Okay, so that ain't gonna happen. So <laughs> let's just uh, let's just talk about <laughs> adamant. He's adamant, ladies and gentlemen. It ain't gonna happen. Okay. Um, so the uh, and actually, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to edit here because I need to find out the name because I don't want to goof this up. Uh, there it is. Okay, so uh, it's uh, starring uh, a Bumblebee. Oh, oh, you mean the actual person in the movie? Uh, it's starring Haley Steinfeld. Mm. Is it St- Stanfeld or Steinfeld? I'll go with Steinfeld. Steinfeld. Okay. I don't really I'm, know, but I I know I'm probably doing it wrong. I have a feeling I think it's Stein Stanfeld. More on that. I don't know. I, I'm, I apologize for messing up the name. It's getting late, and we've been recording for like 18 hours on this one episode, so please forgive me for getting that. Getting punchy. But man, it, it's like, after sitting through all of the Michael Bay Transformers movies, it was just so obnoxious that when this movie came along, I mean, literally the first five minutes of this movie are better than any like greatest hits compilation that you could make out of all the other Transformers movies into five minutes. Like if you took all the best parts and you got like a five minute highlight reel, the first five minutes of Bumblebee just blows it out of the water. You see Cybertron, you see all the, you see all the Transformers and they're, they do what the Michael Bay movies just did such an absolute, I won't even say, uh, you know what? I'm going to quote the great Bruce Willis. I didn't say you did a bad job. They did a piss poor job in the Michael Bay movies of making you actually be able to recognize the freaking robots from one another. Mm. That was the biggest weakness is like the robot characters. I, I didn't even know who the hell they were half the time when they weren't in their, in their vehicle form, which is kind of a failing when you can't tell the characters apart, you know, I mean a bit, you could actually tell who the characters were. They were all distinctive. They didn't look like, you know, crappy animation like from the 80s. They modernized them, but they kept the 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 spirit of the same characters that you could actually tell who you were looking at. Holy crap, what a revelation. And in this, again, you actually kind of like the I I I just I love uh, you know, Haley Steinfeld's Steinfeld's Oh my gosh, I'm I feel bad. I, I of course of Hawkeye fame now. I love her character, you know, just the, the, it's just a, a fun, relatable, you know, kid. And, and I, I just overall, the movie to me is a, it's like a much better version of the first Michael Bay transformer movie nice. that didn't make me just want to punch someone in the face, you know, like it, it was just a good flick. 
the care, you know, the, the human characters worked, um, you know, there wasn't like the whole like freaking hey, look at Megan Fox and hey, we're going to just you just have to gaze at her. And she's, you know, her character doesn't have much to her except, look, she's hot. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Here, like the, the, the characters actually have like. Depth, you know, not a ton, but a little bit. And hey, even John Cena comes off goodness, which is an accomplishment before Peacemaker, because before that, I mean, did he did he have any act, acting roles where people were like, oh, he was really good in that? Or was it? Oh, he was a person. you know so even he comes off good in this so i mean you have that as well but to me it's just it's it's like it's just a good flick and i watched it with i watched it with my kid she Hmm. enjoyed it it was it was just a good flick to watch with her and i'm like oh man how come we can't see more more like this and i i think that they're going to make more transformers movies because they're definitely going to because they they were still making tons of money even though they weren't very good yeah. Bumblebee is actually like it's the most critically acclaimed, but it was also the lowest grossing, which oh, go figure. You can't account for taste, oh, but boy. hopefully they make more and hopefully they they make more like this. Yeah, because I could definitely get into movies like this. But that is my recommendation to anyone out there. If you have the Paramount Plus or if you feel like visiting your local video store and, you know, it's in the five dollar bin or wherever, just make sure you pick up a copy because it's, it's really good. Very nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we definitely appreciate y'all hanging out for this uh, this voyage on the SS Idiocy once mm-hmm. more. Uh, now, after hour 31 of our Region 3 bracket show, we have determined that uh, Crossroads is definitely near and dear to the man they call Tim's heart. And uh, Maelstrom, once again, uh, I'm just booking my territory, just all Starbuck <laughs> all the time. And that's... <laughs> You know, I'm not even mad. Not even mad. Yeah. So we do appreciate you listening to Baron with us. And you know what? I haven't said this in a while, but definitely for this episode, if you've made it this far, damn it, have yourself a drink on us because it's been a doozy. So we definitely appreciate that. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast, well, why not fix that? Go to freerangeadc.com. You can get all of our episodes right there. Download every single bloody one of them. Make us just feel so much better about ourselves, seeing them sweet, sweet, sweet downloads. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you uh, if you would also like, rather get your podcast in another way, you can go to the podcast purveyor of your choice. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We are on iHeartRadio, a few others. If you uh, have one that you would like us to make sure our podcast is on, you send that to Tim at FreeRangeIDC.com. Tim will let me know. We will get you hooked up. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, you can also send those to Tim at FreeRangeIDC.com, and he will get back to you forthwith, if not sooner. And uh, you know what? If you really want to further yourself into the Free Range Idiocy Congregation MLM, then what you got to do is you got to level up. You got to be a little bit, you got to become a, a downline manager at Free Range Idiocy Congregation. Get yourself a, get yourself on the social medias and follow us on the social medias because we love us some us. We're on uh, Facebook. We're on the Twitter. We're on the Instagram. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy. Go ahead and click that follow button and, uh, you know, then just retweet, share, uh, heart, whatever, you know, whatever the individual things you do. You know, I just mash buttons and it sometimes sounds like English. And, you know, just make sure you get the word out. We do appreciate it. And by the way, uh, t- I, I'm completely blanking on the, the, on the on the person's name i please forgive me but we had a very nice person who uh retweeted and shared our our last episode and said that they had listened to it they were going to actually listen to it again which instantly god bless makes, you 
instantly makes you like our favorite human being and also is the person that our wives are just like, who are these people who are listening to you chuckleheads? Um, and that is actually a quote from my wife. That is a direct quote, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> she Even she doesn't want to listen to me. She's baffled why anyone out there is listening to me. And, and quite honestly, so am I. Uh, but you only have a couple more seconds of that because right now is when I finally stop talking and I hand this over to the man they call Tim to take us home, but not before I ask the second most important question asked in human history. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second of all being, what the hell did we learn this episode? My friend, we've learned the following. Oh, God. We have learned that uh, Kenobi coming out in May looks very nice. Well, I hello? have the high ground. Well, he did. I know, but that shouldn't be like the whole thing. Like it was like all of a sudden, like he's like he's like two steps up the hill, and he's like, "Ha ha! I've beaten you!" Like is that all it takes? Like to beat a jet to beat a Jedi? Like oh, I'm two feet up from you. Ha ha! Sometimes, sometimes. Well, yeah, I guess if you're a total poser. We've also learned that the that Uncle Todd's power of prognostication knows no bounds as mm. we will see if Heir to the Empire is, in fact, something that will air uh, on the blues. Probably not for several years, given that we have Ahsoka and uh, more Mando to watch. So we shall see. Oh, an embarrassment of riches. Ah, indeed. And uh, the man they call Tim is going to adhere to the theory that one Thomas Brady is coming back because he wants to hear another Brady-Geddon episode from yours truly and Uncle Todd. You're absolutely crazy, but you know what? God love you for it. Never stopped us before. And uh, we've also learned that, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we can find a way to introduce a play-in game into a bracket that we have created out of a show that we just <laughs> love and adore. And the winner of that uh, that play-in game, well, the, the well-titled Flight of the Phoenix. We enjoyed that very much. Uh, do stay tuned uh, as we continue down this road for another two episodes and wrap up the, uh, you know, our findings and our, our feelings on what are uh, or what will be the finest and greatest of all BSG episodes. With that being said, uh, we do uh, thank you for the downloads and, uh, and uh, your listenership. And as we like to close things out, we wish you all well. Be safe. Be healthy. Be kind. Be good to one another. And, you know, well, I don't know, for no other good reason than it's just, you know, proper manners. Please, hit the lights on the way out. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Ah, Mando! You are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. <laughs> they all hate you, Mando. Reserve some for the foundlings. As it should always be, the foundlings are the future. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. You're wrong! Get out! And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. Where are you going with that shotgun? No, I said poker's an honest trade. Only suckers buck the tiger. The odds are all on the house. Depends on how you look at it. I mean, it's not like anybody's putting a gun to their head now, is it? <laughs> That's what I love about Wyatt. He can talk himself into anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny, I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now.
leave that shotgun. So did I tell you that Patrick is is doing a star uh, Battlestar Galactica rewatch? Is he really? Well, actually, it's it's a it's a watch for him because he's never watched it before. And I told <gasps> him that was that was one of the the uh, one of the things that was required uh, for his internship is that ah. he has he has to watch Battlestar Galactica. Was he do like so he, a twenty page paper on it afterwards or? No, no, because quite honestly, I mean, I let's be honest, I don't want to read it, so I. <laughs> I'm not that cruel that I'm going to make him do something that I'm not even going to look at, you know? So the thing is though, I'm, I'm sending him the episodes one by one. Okay. So I'm sending them out of order. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) He's so confused right now. It's great. Would you send him (laughs) revelations first? And so he's like, I don't, uh, I think it's over. (laughs) No, but I wish I had now. Then he'd think the whole thing was a flashback. Well, there you go. So right now he probably thinks it's like some Twin Peaks sort of like acid trip sort of show. It's like a, it's reading on a completely different level to him. It's awesome. In the immortal words of Gorilla Monsoon. Will you stop? No, because this is why you have interns is to mess with them. Oh, goodness gracious. I thought it was I mean, to, what? you know, kind of make your day to day a little bit easier uh, around the uh, HQ. Oh, yeah, like that happens with him, like setting things on fire and messing everything up. I might as well at least have a little fun with this. Now get the hell out of here! 